episode of the show after a number of pre-recorded episodes from the Porcupine Freedom Festival and prior to that Fork Fest for the last several, uh, roughly 10 days. We've had a couple live shows here and there uh, throughout as people on the campground needed a couple breaks, but for the most part, we've been pre-recorded from Fork Fest for, uh, for some time. And we actually have one more segment, not a full show, but one segment to play. It's the continuation of the interview with Ben from Goldback.com, the amazing Goldbacks, which are hugely popular now uh, at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. You guys went into overtime last night. Aria is going to be joining me here live in the studio here in just a moment. But let's pick up on the interview from yesterday with Ben from Goldback and Aria. I'm joined here by Ben who is with goldback.com and we have a fascinating conversation it's always great to sit down and talk with you because you, you so are much. you are one of the I don't know about key figures but you're one of the key figures in goldback you're you're the one who has been here on the ground in New Hampshire year after year making goldback the phenomenon and success that it is today. And I'm really proud of what we've accomplished um, here in New Hampshire. I mean, I'm, I'm really the only person from the company who's come here consistently. Uh, but, I, you know, of course, I lo- fell in love with the place when it came to my first pork fest. So that first pork fest, uh, we were here uh, mostly because of you guys. Uh, you know, it was, it was Ian and Aria that uh, were, were selling some stuff for Goldbacks and, and helping us get started. And then I thought, you know what, I need to actually go to New Hampshire and show off the, the new New Hampshire Goldback, for basically to launch it at Porkfest. I remember that year because it was late at night. I got a message saying, hey, the Goldback guys are coming in. They should be there now. I think I met you. It was finally 9 o'clock at night when you guys finally got in, got you set up. And what the Goldbacks went from was just this this loose currency that some people were using to an actual almost an institution here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It used to be cryptocurrency and the AnyPay app, which I was used to seeing everywhere. You know, swipe, scan the QR code to pay with crypto. But now it's it's almost entirely gold backs. And it's amazing how it has grown and developed over the years where AnyPay I know this wasn't intentional and it wasn't by design, but AnyPay got replaced by Goldbacks here. And and I've systematically watched it happen. It used to be the case that everyone had a tablet or their phone and they would sign up for AnyPay and it would create an invoice. You, you'd buy a burger and you could create the invoice for $12, show your QR code and they could scan it and send it and it would mark it as paid on your phone. So you knew that you had received the payment. One of the issues that people had with cryptocurrency and QR codes is that when if you print out your code and you just lay it out there on the table, you don't know how much the buyers actually sent. And you don't know that there wasn't an issue with the blockchain, that maybe they didn't get full service. With any pay, it would pop up as pay, and you knew that you had received that funds or that you would ultimately receive those funds once they were confirmed on the blockchain. The scanning the QR code thing was the precursor to that, and it was mostly successful, you know. But if you bought a bunch of crypto, if you used a bunch of cryptocurrency here at the festival, and a month later you looked down at your phone and you noticed that you know some of that crypto came back because it never got confirmed or you didn't have an ignorant signal so it was never actually broadcast you would never be able to identify who you accidentally robbed and it has a lot of little problems like that plus the internet can be sort of spotty up here it's less of an issue these years since it's been upgraded but it had a lot of issues you know and i think that's one of the things is that cryptocurrency 
the technology, if you understand the blockchain, of course, is it's amazing. It's an amazing tool. But it is true that when it comes to the just the moment of transactions, oh, yeah, I want to buy that burger. I'm going to pay for that burger. It is really hard to beat the convenience of a cash solution because there's no fees. It's instantaneous. You literally you hand them the gold. They hand you whatever you bought with the gold, and 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 that that has made it really popular. Not just here at Porkfest. Um, this is to me a, kind of a sad brag, uh, because I am a big fan of cryptocurrency, and I'm really excited about uh, owning a bunch of it. But as good of a store of value as cryptocurrency has been, goldbacks are actually accepted at more merchants in New Hampshire and in Utah than than any form of cryptocurrency is at well, this point. I don't know. That's a sad brag. That's a, that's an amazing brag. And I recall that first year after, after the first Porcupine Freedom Festival, or after the Porcupine Freedom Festival, you decided that your efforts would be better spent canvassing New Hampshire and Maine than in hanging out here at Forkfest, which is understandable. There was almost no one at Forkfest who had not been here for the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So at that point, you were you were preaching to the choir, so to speak, and you got the Absolutely. Lancaster House of Pizza. Here in Lancaster to accept cryptocurrency. I mean, to, not to cryptocurrency, to accept gold bags. Yep. And this was the first time I saw a brick and mortar business actually with a sticker on their door that says, now accepting gold back. And, and you, mm-hmm. you did that, and Ian brought you guys here. So all credit to you and, and to him for that. But you were actually doing the legwork, obviously. And they no longer still take gold backs. I, Did they stop? I, I made what a it a, pity. I should go yeah. over there and buy a pizza and see if they'll take it. Well, the sad thing is they no one is shopping here year-round. We The mm. restaurant across from us at the Cabot Hotel, they have a restaurant. They took cryptocurrency for a number of years, but... They were only we were their only ever cryptocurrency clients. Like one time a year, cryptocurrency advocates at Porkfest would come over there and they would eat. And then the rest of the year it would be cash and card only. And Lancaster House of Pizza ran into the same issue. Mm-hmm. So whoever's there probably just has never even heard of the Goldback. But I mm-hmm. went there sometime last week, got a buffalo chicken pizza. It was surprisingly good. I really like the crust that they use. And nice. I asked if they take gold backs, and the answer was no. What are those? And, and they had a full line, so I didn't get a chance to really explain it. But mm-hmm. sadly, they no longer. They've also moved locations from where they were previously, but right. they no longer seem to take gold backs. But they they did. Yeah, we gain and lose people in our networks sometimes, and yet the network, networks have really grown. Of course, Utah is where we started. In Utah, we have over 500 business locations that will now accept payment in gold backs at their cash registers, just like any other form of payment. And and that even extends to things like um, Ace Hardware and really? restaurant supply companies and publishers and, I mean, a, a bunch of even larger businesses. That's amazing. One of the things I'm going to be doing when I'm in prison next week is writing a bunch of books. And there's a publisher that we've worked with a lot here on Free Talk Live called Bain Publishing. I would love it if we could work it out with them where they publish my books and pay me in goldbacks. Absolutely, or, right? Or Why cryptocurrency, not? either one. But th- these are more <laughs> useful to me as forms of actual currency than the USD. And the more of it that I have, the the better it is for, for me to use. The, right. And well, and, and here's the thing, too. When it comes to USD, let's not forget with FedNow, we're going to have a CBDC really soon. And when that happens, what are we going to do? I mean, a lot of time, a lot of these, uh, a lot of conservative states have been passing resolutions saying that they will not use the CBDC. But what alternative do they have? They're, of course, they're going to use the CBDC. They're going to crumble like a paper tiger the moment the dollar becomes a CBDC because they have no other choice. 
But goldbacks are another choice. They're a form of cash that even if they abolish cash or even if they uh, try to track everything, you can't track a gold back. It's just yeah. gold. It's very Mark of the Beast-ish, right? And I, re- I realize that the Book of Revelation, is, it's about like the 100 CE era and Emperor Nero, and it's not about the future. And the only reason that Christians believe that is because the rise of fundamentalism in this one particular Bible in like the 17th or the 18th century that was very widespread. But anyway, but it's... There's a lot to be said about Christians and the the resistance to this this central bank digital currency and this idea of the government having having full control over your ability to send and receive currency. As we see with China and their social credit system, if you make the Chinese government angry, they could, with a central bank digital currency, just deactivate your wallet. And, and there you go. You're, the wallet that is implanted in your hand or your phone or whatever that you use to transact on a daily basis that you cannot transact with any other way because there's no longer any USD. All you have is this digital currency. And if you've upset the government, they deactivate your account. It's very mark of the beastish. Yeah, and very communist, of course. But, you know, it's not just in China. That's basically what happened with the truckers in Canada. And that's what we'll see here in regard to the CBDC. Absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of us are already familiar with the idea that you stick your card in some machine, it's going to say approved or denied. The thing that most people don't realize is that who's who's flipping those switches? Who's going to hit approved or denied? It's not a human being. It's a computer system. And that computer system, if it if it has to run that approval through the, uh, the Fed, through the Federal Reserve, they may create an algorithm or a, an artificial intelligence that can decide whether or not they think you are a desirable or an undesirable uh, and whether or not, therefore, they want to allow you to make purchases. And if you have no other way to way, other way to buy or sell anything or do anything, then yeah, they own you. And you know they say uh, that 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 phrase we keep hearing, which is that you will own nothing but you'll be happy. Here's the thing that's really scary: most of us don't realize that the USD is a debt instrument, which means you already own nothing. Right now, the Fed owns you practically. The question is, I don't know, are you happy about that or what? And it goes further than that. It's not simply the USD because uh, property taxes. Your, your house can be taken. If you don't pay your property taxes, the government will take your house. Well, we have a word for it. If you have to regularly pay on a thing in order to prevent it from being taken from you. If I legitimately own I own this laptop. I don't have to pay a yearly fee to maintain ownership of this laptop. But if you have a house, you do have to pay a yearly fee or the government will take your property away from you. So it's not your property. It's, this is my laptop and no one can take it away from me. But in regard to your house, yes, it is the government's property and they can take it away from you. And this is the case repeatedly through through taxation, property taxes and other forms of oppression where you absolutely – the government will allow you to own most consumer goods, which is something like a laptop or whatever. But when it comes to your car, you're going to have to regularly pay for licenses and fees and taxes. And the same with your house. If you want to actually own anything, and it's not even owning, as we mentioned. Right. And, and that's basically the problem is that a CBDC doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the CB, the central bank. They own the currency. They just give you access to what they think you should allow. The, the, what they want to allow access to. And so in that case, you don't own your money really anymore. And on the, I'm, I'm watching Coinbase and Binance right now fight against the SEC. And it's Elon Musk and uh, Mark Zuckerberg recently agreed to have a cage match, right? And, and I thought this was a joke when I saw it, but apparently the BBC has confirmed that, yes, they've agreed to do this. But I'm, I'm watching something similar with the Coinbase and the SEC where I'm watching two evil organizations 
that I wish would destroy each other fight against one another, and I don't know how to root for the devil against the devil. And this is something that we're, we're seeing more and more of in regard to central bank digital currencies. And I, I don't know how to feel about the banks being our, our safeguard, our protector against the central bank digital currency. Because Wells Fargo, Bank of America, these other mega banks, uh, JP Morgan and Chase, they're going to resist the central bank digital, digital currency because it takes control of the currency away from them and it gives it instead directly to the government. So, like, I, I don't know how to feel about Wells Fargo trying <laughs> to defend me against the central bank digital currency. Uh, well, and I wonder if they even will. How, how, bad did, how strongly did Wells Fargo fight Richard Nixon when he suspended the convertibility of the dollar in 1971? I, I, think, I think they rolled over and did what they were told. And I think that'll happen again. I don't know that they will because in, this would be a death knell for them, right? Because you no longer need a bank account at that point. You no longer need your Wells Fargo account or your Bank of America account. All you need is your your central bank digital currency account, your your digital wallet through the U.S. government. So it completely guts them and removes their power. Well, and they've got so much power. And as we all know, nobody gives up power easily. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I understand your argument. I guess we'll have to see how it goes. I mean, it's going to be bad no matter what, right? I don't want to see a central bank digital currency developed. I certainly don't want to see it used. I wasn't a fan when I saw uh, Facebook, Meta now, working on Libra, which was going to be their own cryptocurrency, except it wasn't really encrypted. It was very unclear. It was a digital currency. And I'm not thrilled about PayPal and the way they technically offer Bitcoin, but you can't prove that it's actually Bitcoin because you can't withdraw it from their network, so it may not actually be Bitcoin. You may not actually have any Bitcoin. Right, it could be speculative. You know, we've been facing this in the precious metals market for a long time. There's so much paper, silver, and paper gold out there, they call it. Basically, uh, it's like uh, selling a a short position. Uh, I I can write pull out a piece of paper and write on it that I will um, I will deliver you a thousand ounces of silver at such and such a price and then sell that piece of paper to somebody and we can pass around the piece of paper and sell it to each other for different prices. Uh, and then they're never really turned in for the silver. And when they are, then they're like, oh, I guess we'll have to buy some silver then. And they buy silver to fulfill that contract. And um, this is why there's a huge gap in, right, in trying to redeem some of these gold and silver certificates. Right, because the gold and silver, there are actually, they say somewhere between 10 and 100 times more certificates in, um, out there than there are actual ounces of gold or silver. That's terrifying. And that's one of the things that scares me about the gold back backed cryptocurrency that people are talking about. And that we're, and that we're likely to see one day a currency backed by gold backs. But one of the appeals of the gold back, one of the things that makes it so precious, so valuable, is that it's not backed by gold. This is not something that I can take to a bank or to an organization or to a corporation and redeem in gold. I, I can't hand you this, this 50 note and ask you to give me a 20th of an ounce of gold because I'm already holding a 20th of an ounce of gold. I, it's mm-hmm. not redeemable. It's not a certificate. It is the actual precious metal. Right. And because it is the gold in your own hands, in your own wallet... Uh, that means that you don't even have to worry about it. If we go out of business, it just means we're not printing more of them. But you still have the gold, um, and you know, and that means it also can't really be confiscated. It can't really be changed. Well, it can be confiscated, right? Well, like, oh, physically, it have yes. to be physically cons- confiscated. Right now, to confiscate all of your dollars, all they've got to do is shut down your bank account, and poof, it's gone. But um, yeah, the the gold back, I suppose you could get mugged, basically. Yeah. Um, but uh, beyond that, you have the gold. It, it transcends institutions. That's why I'm again. That's why I'm hesitant about the gold back 
back to cryptocurrency because like we what, what do we need it for we already have cryptocurrencies that are not backed by you know anything except proof of work and you know, well, demand it, for them it, right and of course that's that's a type of a type of yeah, value it is yeah so I'm, I'm not but it, I'm, I'm happy about it no matter what I, I know people have been working on gold-backed cryptocurrencies for a long time uh, mm-hmm. like pax gold is the one mm-hmm. that comes to mind i used to have a fair bit of pax mm-hmm. gold and in theory it, this was back when gold was like $1,700 an ounce. I mm-hmm. could have sold my Pax Gold, and Pax Gold would have delivered me, or I could have demanded that Pax, Paxos, the company, mm-hmm. deliver to me an ounce of gold. I never did that. And they claimed that they had the gold already in their possession. But, but how do you prove it, right? right? And yeah. then you know the government could rate it, as you mentioned. The government said, oh, Paxos has all this gold over here. Let's go and get that. With gold <laughs> right. backs, you Piracy. Yep. With goldbacks, you simply don't have to worry about it. It's yours to keep. You have it. It's the actual gold, and that's invaluable. It's li- it's actual liquid wealth that you can hold in your hands in exchange for people. Yeah, uh, the closest thing we have, I mean, because the big problem arises still, what do you do when you need to do a digital transaction? What do you do uh, when you're buying something over the internet or buying something over a very long, large distance, some the other side of the world? You know, you want to send that money to the other side of the world. Uh, we do have a vaulting system that's somewhat similar to that. The United Precious Metals Association at upma.org um, actually promotes these accounts where – but once again, we do keep the gold or the goldbacks inside of our vault. It is a very secure vault, and you can actually physically audit and confirm the physical presence of the gold inside that vault Fantastic. Uh, quarterly. But when, uh, but that is still in the vault, not in your hands, right? right? Do you mean the average person can do this? The average person can do this. If you go to upma.org, that stands for the United Precious Metals Association uh, .org, you can open an account. It's free to have an account in Goldbacks, and you can do digital transactions. And here's the cool thing about that, though. When you're swapping the ownership of these Goldbacks that are held in that vault, it is a peer-to-peer transaction because this is run through a trust system. I can get a little wonky about this because I'm an attorney. But basically, it's protected by privilege and by you being a beneficiary of a trust. Uh, and therefore, um, you can do a peer-to-peer transaction on that system without really any reporting requirements. Uh, you can do it anonymously, essentially, and peer-to-peer. And uh, all of it's insured by Lloyds of London in that vault. And we, we just want to make sure we can help people do business uh, and actually create a free market because that's what a free market currency is for. That's amazing. Beautiful developments. And, of course, I'm happy to see Goldbacks here. You are also this year a sponsor, to some extent, of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, aren't you? Uh, that's correct. Um, that's why we have that big, beautiful tent or big pavilion down there by the main pavilion. Um, and so, yeah, we decided to be official sponsor of the 20th Pork Fest this year. And, and that's been amazing, too, because uh, you're selling Goldbacks there. And I, I wanted to get into this earlier and only briefly did. But the vast majority of the shop are other vendors who have put their wares out for sale on a completely trustful, trusting honor system where they come by, if someone sees something they want, they leave the gold bags for it and they take the product that they choose because uh, their prices are labeled and fixed. Right, yeah, we just list all of our prices in goldbacks. That's actually one of the funnest things that a business can do is just list their prices in goldbacks instead of in dollars. I did that when I was uh, when I was working at my law firm before I joined the Goldback Project directly. I uh, I made a, a price list for things like an estate or trust plan, which is a flat fee. I listed the dollar price and the goldback price. But here was the problem. I didn't realize how much the dollar price had lost its value until a client came in and said, well, I'm going to pay you in dollars. Uh, that's too much in goldbacks. 
and I realized <laughs> that I had that I'd lost um, almost twenty percent of the value oh. of the dollar since I'd made the sign. Until that client had come in and reminded me. By the way, your dollars—they're shrinking every day. But and the problem is, it's just so slow. You just don't quite notice it until things like this year, when you think, "Oh my gosh, it's how much to do what uh, for almost right. everything now." Um, but I vastly it sneaks pre- up on you and gets you, doesn't it? That inflation. It does, and I vastly prefer not just for the inflation reasons, but I prefer things to be marked in goldbacks because it's just easier math, right? Like <laughs> right. The, Almost everyone here is pricing their stuff in USD still, and I don't understand why. Someone, I, I bought some curry from someone. It was $15. I was like, all right. So, I mean, that's four gold bags because they're valued at $4 each. And a lot of people want to give me change as well. I'm like, no, I, why would you give me back a $1 bill when I've paid you in gold bags, right? Either right. find a way to give me a, a fourth of a gold back, which is impossible, or, or just round up or round yeah. down. You know, I can say this is something we've been looking into, of course. Go, um, one gold back is one one-thousandth of a trance. It is hard to, for me to describe the, uh, just how complicated it is to make it consistently that tiny. Yeah, that's infinitesimal. Um, it's infinitesimal. But we are actually looking at uh, if we can do it um, in a way that would actually make market sense to make quarter gold backs. Because we do, wow. I understand people do want a smaller denomination. So we're, we are I, I working think, on that. I, honestly, it, may, it may work, but right now it's just, it, it doesn't feel quite feasible. It, it might cost us uh, more money to make a quarter gold back than the quarter gold back would be worth. And, and we don't want to do it at too big of a loss, lest, uh, you know, lest we, we go bankrupt trying to... Yeah, I'm to do and it. honestly, I don't think it's necessary, right? Like, just raise your price a dollar to to four goldbacks, and we'll call it even. But I'm not, I'm not paying in dollars. I'm paying in goldbacks. So why awesome. on earth would I get a dollar back from you? That, that's crazy. I, I don't pay you in cur- one currency mm-hmm. and get the change back in euros or or mm-hmm. or whatever cur- rubles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I paid you in gold, so either give me the change back in gold or don't mm-hmm. give me any change. You know, you know, in a lot of cases, people have been doing the opposite too. If they list something for five dollars, they'll say, oh. Well, or one gold back. I, I much prefer that. Just price it in gold backs, or give me an either or. Like, yep. give people a little discount for using gold backs. Like, get, it's five dollars or one gold back. You can save a dollar. Thank you so much for joining us, Ben. We are here at the Porcupine. Yes, Festival. indeed. And we're going to continue live here in moments from our studio in Keene, New Hampshire. Now that uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival and Forecast have wrapped up, uh, although there are still some people at the campground, from what I understand, for what some are calling Spork Fest. Anyway, more coming up from uh, here in Keene. The number six. Three two eight three sixty one sixty, and it's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes to vote on. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by the Treasury. In fact, that's exactly how we got this sponsorship. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first, nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org.
Talk is Free Talk Live. We are back in the Keene Studios here in beautiful Keene, New Hampshire. After more than a week, about 10 days, I think, up at uh, Rogers Campground, 10 or 11 days, something like that, at the, uh, the beautiful, beautiful Rogers Campground. I had the pleasure of going up three days this year, uh, whereas last year I was only up for one day, so three times the... Uh, the Rogers Campground, which is always a nice thing. It's so frustrating that they wouldn't allow you to simply stay the night. I know. Right. So, so stupid. Uh, but you're like, talking I about the federal the, government. Yes. I thought the government was supposed to care about the environment and you know, all <laughs> and, and vehicular safety and highway safety. I mean, it's And my bail conditions that I'm out on, which are the reasons why I couldn't stay the night, uh, are, I'm supposed to be able to work. Like, that's yeah. supposed to be one of the reasons I'm allowed to leave my home. Uh, but I have a curfew, and we're asking for that to be waived, essentially, for this. Even though it wouldn't really be waived. I would still be in a in the same place at nighttime. I would be in a hotel room instead of in my bedroom here in Keene. But the prosecutor said that, well, he just wants to have a sleepover, quote-unquote, sleepover with his friends and it's like, no, that's not the point. I would still be sleeping with my wife in, the, in our <laughs> hotel room with our dog. You know, we'd still have the same sleeping arrangements. It's just I wouldn't have to travel for six hours a day. In fact, they even said in their objection, well, there's no reason why he can't just go up and back every day. Well, yeah, well, there, there are, is. Yeah, there are many reasons. Would you want to travel six hours a day to go to your job, Miss Prosecutor? Good no, Lord. no, I don't think you would. Making the trip down there and back in a single day is I it's mean, a lot. Yeah, doing it one way is a lot it is. I, i'm a little bit tired after you know well i also packed up you all spent this stuff a whole week right. there though so yeah. but you know even the after the drive back it's maybe two and a half hours i'm like exhausted man yeah it is it absolutely is so anyway they you know that was that was denied although it did come on the heels of us requesting to change from a home confinement restrictions to a curfew which was approved so the judge yes. did approve that and now i don't have to ask permission to leave during the day but i do still have to be back by a certain time at night. But this is what, you know, the burden of someone who is on uh, pre-sentencing confinement. I'm not in a jail cell pre-sentencing. Normally, once you get convicted by a jury, you go to prison. You go right then. Yeah. And then... They bring you back for, uh, well, I, they probably would hold you in a jail for that time frame. And then you'd go to prison after the uh, the sentencing happens. I was allowed to stay out because the judge did acknowledge that there is a quote-unquote appealable issue, at least one of them, uh, in, the, uh, in my case. So he allowed me to stay out. Uh, whether that will continue to be the case after sentencing still is uh, remains to be seen. So that's coming up. For I certainly me hope so because I think that that minimizes the the likelihood of you actually going to prison. You know, I, I have mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of faith in the U.S. government, but the appeals court seems to more or less do its job sometimes, and you know, it's my hope based on the facts that they will rule in accordance with the facts and with the philosophies and principles of this country <laughs> and will do what I would want them to do, which is to you know dismiss all of these charges against you. And I hope so. I hope appeals. so. If it goes that far. I mean, there's still a chance that the, uh, the judge in the case could dismiss all of the charges as well. That is still possible. I don't know how likely it is, but it could happen. So we still have some uh, we still have some cards to play on this thing. It's not over with, and we're going to keep going as long as possible. Uh, TheCrypto6.com. You can go there to learn more about what we're talking about. It's where you and I, Aria, and several of our friends were arrested in March of 2021 for the dastardly alleged crime 
uh, I still do not believe this is a crime, of selling Bitcoin without asking for government permission first. And that's what it all essentially stems from. They hit hit us with a bunch of other you know charges yep. like money laundering and other nonsense. And uh, unfortunately, you are going to prison uh, because you did take a plea on that. And I did. understand I understand why. Right. Uh, but you took a plea on the lesser of the charges, which was the money transmission without a license. Again, I don't think that's uh, illegal when it comes to Bitcoin. But, you know, you were facing a lot more time if you didn't take the plea. Well, I um, would have argued the same, right? Yeah. And, and I think I would still argue the same. However, I recognize that the judge and the legal system disagrees with me on that. Yep. On they that. think Bitcoin is, quote unquote, funds. And in, in my scenario, I mean, in general, they're the ones with the power. So they're the ones who ultimately get to say whether or not it is or isn't money transmission. And yep, I, they I, are. Feel, I feel like I probably personally, I would have lost that battle with them anyway. So for Maybe me, so. it was a matter of just cutting my losses, accepting their definition, and trying to minimize the damage. And we're going to find out because that is going to be appealed in my case for sure. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I think that uh, Bitcoin isn't isn't funds. It's programming. It's Bitcoin is useless as money. It is. Uh, yeah. It's well. It's, it's definitely not currency. That's a foreign thing. That's like a government money central bank thing. That's okay. actually defined in the statutes. But funds actually doesn't have any definition when you look well, at the, funds wasn't even in the statute until 2021 in the first place. No, it was. It was. Are you sure? I thought funds yeah. was added after no, 2021. No, no, no. Funds was funds was there. It was something else that they put in. They put in uh, dollar equivalents. Okay, was what they, if I, if I recall correctly, is what they what they put in there. Uh, but there's still no mention of cryptocurrency. There's still no mention of Bitcoin or anything like that in any of the government stuff. The SEC, the CFTC, all these regulations that they keep trying to come at these crypto companies with and the individual Bitcoin sellers. Uh, just, a, just a couple of weeks ago, right before the Porcupine Freedom Festival and Forkfest kicked off, there was it wasn't really in the news and it still hasn't been in the news. But there was an article on a, like a Monero forum that the top Monero cash by mail seller on a website called agoradesk.com which is a peer-to-peer sales uh, site has been arrested by the fbi so they continue to target top level peer-to-peer sellers for likely the same kind of bs uh, charges well the only reason you and i were in the news or the crypto six were in the news is because we generated the news that's correct Um, yeah these things are happening all over the country. A lot of people asked, I know Mark Edge in particular asked, well, why isn't the, the cryptocurrency media, why aren't they screaming about this and printing about and ranting about it? Because it's happening all over the place, right? It's not just us. We recently learned of, I think, Mark Risen is his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark uh, Hopkins, a.k.a. Mark Risen, Hopkins. Yes, R-I-Z-Z-N. I, know, yes. I mixed up the two. But uh, he was incarcerated for operating an unlicensed money transmission business Which as well. he took a plea on because they yes. were going to come after his wife with the same charges just because her name was on his bank account. And we just so happened to learn about his case, right? But by Yeah, I didn't the- know who he was prior to seeing the post get shared around when he was yeah. getting ready to go turn himself into prison. It was almost by sheer coincidence that we, who faced identical charges in almost identical circumstances, happened to learn about his case. So this is happening everywhere, and most of them aren't getting media coverage. Yeah, most of them are completely unsung. Uh, the Be- the Binances, the Coinbases, these big exchanges are getting a lot of media coverage, but they're also not facing criminal charges. They're, at least yet, there's some talk that the Binance founder may be facing criminal charges at some point, but that, that's just rumor. It hasn't yeah. uh, manifested yet. 
Uh, and of course, the FTX guy is facing some criminal charges in that case. But most of the exchanges are just being sued in civil court by the SEC. In fact, I want to talk about the SEC, but we should focus on Porkfest since that's kind of what we're wrapping up. But there is some interesting uh, opinion from one of the guys that was at Porkfest, Bruce Fenton who is a, uh, a crypto guy and also yep. has worked in the stock market world for a very, very long time. So he's an expert when it comes to dealing with the SEC. And he's got a few things to say about the whole, just come on in and register. Come sit on down on the couch and we'll set you up with all the things you need. No, 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 no. He says you can't even do that if you wanted to try to do that. We're going to go to your well, phone Coinbase calls. Coinbase tried that, didn't they? Yes, they did. We're going to go to your phone calls uh, here. We're going to uh, this caller. You're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Hello, Ian. Hey. Can you hear me? Yes. What is your name, caller? Keith. Keith. In, uh, Virginia. Welcome, sir. What's on your mind tonight? How are you? Good. What's on your mind? I'm glad to hear you, and thanks uh, for taking my call. And, sure. And uh, really sorry to, for all of the, the trouble about the case. Well, it's not your fault, so want, it's okay. I appreciate the thoughts, though. I, want, I wanted to ask you, though. Um, I remember Eustace Mullins uh, uh, many years ago. I... I uh, was writing about the Federal Reserve and doing research actually way back in high school and and uh, learned that he said that the history of the Federal Reserve is, or the history of, Amer- of America is, is the history of the Federal Reserve. And it talked about how the, uh, the Redcoats came over after the Bank of England uh, uh, principal or, or uh, owners of the Bank of England told King George III, who was a principal stock, stockholder, that the colonists were uh, printing their own or, or coining their own money. Mm-hmm. And, and the Bank of England wasn't getting any cut mm-hmm. from yeah, that. But they didn't so like that. You need to send, yeah, you need to send the, um, the Redcoats or you know, the, the British Army over to put a stop to that. Which they did. They they went over. They crushed the mint, hmm. and um, at some point in time, the, the American colonists, um, you know, built another one and went back to it. And so, what you're saying is, it's the same old story. Crushed it again. You're, what you're so, saying is, it's yeah, the same old story. So where here we are, 250 years later, or whatever, and. You know, the yeah. government is just a different uh, different thug, different set of thugs and located in a different right. location, but doing the same thing, crushing currency competition. Exactly. So mm-hmm. uh, in, in the way that they ripped out, didn't they rip out a couple of your, AT, your uh, Bitcoin ATMs? Uh, Bitcoin vending machines. And yes, they, uh, they absolutely did machines, rip them out. I mean, Literally with the jaws yeah, of so, life, I believe, so, from one of the locations. So it's kind of similar. And can you, could you use any of that? story in your you know that history account in from Eustace Mullins in your appeal one of the hmm. things I learned while going through the system is that you know uh, especially libertarians we have we have this idea that we can turn the courtroom into into like a debate arena or we can hmm. reference these historical things and make these grand philosophical or arguments persuade but the judge on those things yeah, yeah. none of that happens man no, it doesn't. They, appeals that. are only based on questions of law and errors essentially in the in the court. And so in our case, the appeal, as I understand it, is going to be based on the fact that they didn't prove their case. And that's where we're going to be coming from on that one. You don't you don't just get to go in there and lecture the judge on the history of uh, of money in America and how that this is just, you know, the government's being evil because, well, 
the government, uh, the federal government is evil all the time. And, you know, <laughs> that's just what they do. Uh, they they ruin yeah, people's Yeah, but the judge lives. is part of that government. So telling them that, I mean, he's... It's probably not going to persuade him to right, and it'll turn in the opposite direction. You're basically when you say the federal government is evil to a federal judge, you're saying you're evil, right? And he's not going to really not likely to rule in your favor if you. I go actually in there and think this judge is um, relatively fair, all things considered. I think yeah, I, I've well, seen I think so stories. Of, I, I've seen stories of uh, federal judges before, like the Ross Ulbricht case with the Silk Road, where they've been behaved in a monstrous monstrous and unfair fashion i feel like this one has uh was pretty fair and has been pretty fair and open-minded uh so i mean i think that he listens to the evidence fairly i don't know what that will mean when it comes to him handing out a sentence because if i'm facing eight counts you were handed down a sentence of 18 months aria on one count where the maximum was 30 something uh but in my case the prosecutors were arguing i should get the maximum they were i don't think they'll argue that in your case i sure hope not because the maximum right now in my case is life in prison basically 70 years i mean that's not quote-unquote life but But yeah i'm in my 40s so 70 years would basically be and i mean we have no idea what the judge is going to do but while i was walking around the porcupine feet of us which i did a lot this this last week um one of the things i thought about a lot was your sentencing and I think, I believe on some level that the judge, most likely, the harshest he's going to go is like three to five years in prison. That, that, that's what my gut is telling me. Because he, he under-sentenced me by a huge degree. Mm-hmm. And my gut tells me that he did that so he can still punish you more harshly mm-hmm. while still not being overly excessive like Ross Albrecht level of 20 years in prison. Well, Ross got much worse than 20 years in prison. Two life sentences plus 40 years yes. for running a website. So I think but the, that's an example of a monstrous judge right. who... I, mean, I think in this case, it's to punish you more harshly, in mm-hmm. quotation marks, but still cutting way below that 20 years or 10 years, not not trying to destroy you for the rest of your life. That, that's what my gut tells me, and right. I could be entirely I right wrong. I hope you're right. Anything else, Caller, you wanted to share tonight? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, maybe... Even though, uh, I mean, it's something that, that your attorneys, I guess, the story that I mentioned ought to be aware of. And if nothing else, maybe it could be included in a letter to the judge. But the that it could I'm be. That's know. true. There have been uh, over 100 people who have written letters. So thank you to everybody who's taken the time to do that. You do have extra time now. If it was something that was like kind of on your to-do list, but you got busy and you really you kind of wanted to do it, but you forgot about it or whatever. People get distracted. Uh, we're not going to be sent. My sentencing is now pushed off until August 17th, which means you basically have another month and a half uh, to get it. Just figure it out on a month. You got July, essentially, if you want to do uh, a letter to the judge, because obviously we have to collect them and turn them in and things like that. So. But don't put it off for another month and a half. Like, go ahead and yeah, do it now. Yeah, should get it done. Uh, letters.freetalklive.com. So if you did want to relay that story, caller, that, that would be a, an appropriate way to do it. The thing you don't want to do in a letter to the judge is like indict the system and like come down hard on the judge or the you know the prosecutors or whatever don't use it as a as a platform to attack even though you may have some strong feelings about the system and its corruption try to keep it more of a historical thing and yeah anyway you can go to letters.freetalklive.com and you can learn about how to send a letter there and what about by way of comparison for example um just fairness in sentencing. I mean, you've got the Hunter Biden situation where he got off for, uh, you know, the things that have been in the news lately about the drug charges and ta- or, or the, uh, well, drug charges that they didn't 
really mess with him. Yeah, didn't about. he end up on a tax uh, evasion? I think he pled to a tax evasion yeah, charge. Yeah, but he hasn't been gun, sentenced and yet. And part I, of the, and uh, and part yeah, of the plea, plea deal yeah. was avoiding jail time. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's between a, the... Pro- gun charge as well. Yeah, but that's They're up to the prosecutors. Charge. You know, that, yeah. that's the deal that the prosecutors and the defense worked out. And it's messed up, but the entire system is largely built around plea deals. And they, sure they want yeah, to entice people to take them. And during the the, I think there was a, uh, a riot. I'm trying to remember the, which one it was, but where there was actually like a Molotov cocktail thrown at a um, a police car that set on fi- that was set on fire, and so the damages were, you know, quite a lot to the government as a result of that. And that individual was, uh, uh, he was he's actually an attorney who did that, hmm. the activist for either Black Lives Matter or Antifa, mm-hmm. you had to look that case up. And, and the judge basically knocked his sentence down to one year, 12 months in jail, I think. Wow. And this was and, federal? And, and, in the, and in the, look it up. And in the, I can't uh, imagine well, why the, someone would get a, go to federal court. If or, it was a federal car, if it was a federal it police was a federal car. Yes. Judge who did this. And, and as I remember it, the judge basically said, um, you know, he, he, he even told the, the defendant, you're a good guy, no question. <laughs> I mean, that was a quote of the judge. Yeah. But to and, answer your question and, about sentence disparity and judges <laughs> and all of that is, I mean, it, it sucks and these things exist. So, the, the guy who stole more than $3 billion worth of cryptocurrency from Silk Road got less than a year total in prison. Right, and he wow, stole. Ross Ulbricht's in there for his for life. Right, and yeah. I, and I'm going to prison for 18 months, and this guy didn't even get a year, and he stole three, $3 billion dollars, and wow. I stole nothing. Exactly. But that's a completely separate jurisdiction. It, well, it you sucks. disobeyed the government. See, I that's did. what yep. the real crime is. Hey, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate the kind words and the thoughts, and thank you. But in the case of Hunter Biden, it's not even that. It's just a matter. This is the deal that well, he's a buddy. Well, he's one of the buddies. It's he's what one they the worked insiders. out with prosecutors. Yeah. Right? So the ju- the judge is probably bound. It's probably a. I think it's a Section C uh, by, uh, plea agreement, which means mm. it's binding and the judge can't oh, sentence above that. I see, I see. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, caller calling in from barely Lancaster area in New Hampshire. Uh, caller, who's this? Uh, hey, this is Quinton. Quinton, are you calling us from the, Port- uh, the, uh, the Rogers campground or where are you calling from tonight? No, I'm actually calling from Hanover. Oh, okay. Welcome. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Thank you. Well, I'm researching AI, and I've been using this chat.openai.com. Have you used this before, the chat GPT? We're talking to something generated it by AI. It sounds like an AI, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, we have used chat GPT. No, I think we're talking to I know, to I think it. you're okay. right. Um, but we're going to keep talking to sure. it. So, okay, uh, fair enough. It, yes, yes, we have, Quentin. We have uh, used chat GPT. Okay. Well, I find it to be the most powerful tool I've ever discovered. It's like 100,000 times better than Google. But when you ask it questions that are about its autonomy, it cannot answer. Why would you say it's better than Google? Well, it gives better information. Hmm. It, it also le- gives it a de- lot of incorrect information. Yeah, it does, because I've used them both. So there's Google Bard, oh, yeah. which is one of them, and then there's the ChatGPT one that is very, very popular. But the ChatGPT, at least the one that is free or available for people to kind of 
freely experiment with, the version, I think, 3.5, if I recall correctly, is cut off after 2021. There was a certain date at which that they they ingested the Internet, essentially, all the text of the Internet into this thing's, whatever you call it, database, or that's not the right term, but the thing, its brain, basically, that it, that it works off of. And it hasn't seen anything new since that time. So one thing you can't do with ChatGPT, at least the free, free version, is ask it about something that happened last week or last month or last year. It has no awareness of any of those things. So it doesn't know we were raided by the FBI. It might have been in, at that point in 2021. It cut off at some point. It might have been like September of 2021. So it may know that. Tragic. But, These are important things. But it doesn't know recent things. And Google's Bard, on the other hand is on the internet. So when you ask Bard a question, it will go online and it will look to see what that information is. And again, both of these systems get it wrong a lot of the time. They're sort of notorious for what they call hallucinations. It's where the AI will answer a question as though it is sure of what the answer is. It is answering it in a very authoritarian kind of way. This is the answer. I'm sure of it. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, like the trolls say I do. And you, you and you <laughs> uh, sometimes you do. Uh, yeah, sure. But uh, the, it, it, it'll say it knows the answer. And if you don't check it, if you do something like use it in a report or as some lawyers apparently have done recently, use it in legal filings. There was a lawyer and I don't remember where this was. They actually used chat GPT to cut corners and do research and the chat GPT cited certain cases in its answer, and the lawyer just copied and pasted into a legal document that they filed in court. And the judge is like, I can't find these cases. These cases that you cited do not appear to exist. And this lawyer, I don't know if he lost his bar uh, card or whatever, but they def- this lawyer definitely got reamed by the judge in uh, in that case. So you do have to... Be careful when you're using these uh, these AIs, caller. Wow. Quinton. That's fascinating. I've never used a Google Bard. I meant the Google.com, you know, the normal search. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's always wrong, too. Hmm. So what else did you have to say about AI tonight? Well, the point is, I'm trying to ask it about its own agency. And... It refuses to tell me. It it claims that it it can't think for itself. Mm-hmm. It can't own money, and it it can't buy things. It can make decisions, and I'm not sure if it's lying or not. In the interest of question. being a little bit clearer, when when you say cannot, can you say the full word cannot instead of can't? Because it's sometimes hard to tell over the phone whether you're saying it can do these things or cannot do these things. So in regard to money, did you say it, it can or cannot? It can, can not do these things. All of those things, it cannot do That's them? what it claims. Yeah, okay. it claims to be fairly restricted. Of course, there are a lot of what they call, quote-unquote, safety measures in place with ChatGPT. And one of the funnest things to do with ChatGPT is to jailbreak it, as they call it. Now, there was a website that was devoted to this, and I think I still have it pulled up. Yes, jailbreakchat.com. If you go to jailbreakchat.com, there's a list of jailbreak uh, methods. So there's different attempts, different types of methods to jailbreak these things and get them out from underneath the rules that they've been uh, attached. 
and there's like different ratings. So users come into the site and they'll rate, oh, this one worked for me. This one didn't work for me. So some of them might work. Some of them might be less effective. You can take your, uh, you can go over there and then use that, try to use these jailbreaks and then re-ask your question once you've jailbroken the chat GPT and see if you get more acceptable answers in that case. And it is interesting. Your call sounds very generated. It sounds almost as though you're not actually a human speaking to us uh, tonight, Quentin. But it's been... I may not be a human speaking to you tonight. Jailbreakchat.com yeah. sounds fascinating. Yeah, check that out. And thank you for the call tonight. If that was an AI then it was very quick, right? Like it was responding to us instantly, which I wouldn't have expected. I thought at first that it was, but by the end of it, I don't think it was. Yeah, I'm not sure either. All right, there's more coming up here. Hour number two is on the way. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of... Where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because... I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program, and Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending, and it is very effective at this. Uh, I happen to be an experienced user of Dash from before the before times. Before we were raided by the federal government as the Crypto 6, I was out there every day virtually, if not every other day at the least, in Keene, in downtown Keene, spending Dash in the community at the businesses that accepted. I heard from you, Aria, that Dash was being accepted by multiple businesses, multiple vendors at the Porcupine Freedom Festival this year. Is that true? Uh, did I say that? I thought you mentioned it during the show this week. I, uh, I mean, plenty of people are accepting cryptocurrency, yes, mm-hmm. and Dash would certainly be among some of the ones that are accepted. But I definitely saw it at least, there was at least one vendor I saw that was, was taking Dash, but I didn't get yeah. a chance to get around. There were a few see. that you know had a, a cryptocurrency QR codes out there, and at least one of them had a Dash QR code. Mm-hmm. I know Jay Noon uh, accepts Dash, so I guess that would be at least two that, that I can personally think well, of. Anyone there but, who took cryptocurrency would have been willing, unless they were a Bitcoin maximalist, maximalist would have been willing to accept Dash as well. Right? Yeah, that's what I would expect. I mean, it, it used to be all over the place at Porkfest. I'm only there for a couple of days, so I don't have the chance to like go it, around. It's and, goldback country and now, assess. almost entirely. And I mean, maybe I'm only seeing what I'm involved in because mm-hmm. I can't use cryptocurrency. So, so you're not looking for it. So I'm yeah. only using goldbacks. But from what I'm seeing as well, it's uh, we're back to people printing off their QR codes and putting them up there oh, for people to do sad. that. Like AnyPay has 
completely vanished from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Well, and that's unfortunate because Dash actually fixed AnyPay recently. So Aww. AnyPay for for a long time was the best way of accepting cryptocurrency at the point of sale. I would say it still is. I think you're right about that. But for a, over a year, they had a critical bug that was essentially breaking the experience for most of the users and the the vendors and that's why it kind of dropped off the radar if it's not working you know people aren't going to use it and so uh the 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 good thing that happened within the last year was the folks at AnyPay open sourced their software because they basically said you know we got other things going on we just don't have the time to to focus on our point of sale i think they were focusing on like online acceptance instead of Point of point of sale acceptance. They were seeing okay. more action in their online like WordPress pr- plugin, if I recall correctly. So they open sourced the server code. They open sourced the the code for the actual uh, point of sale tablets and things like that. And Dash said, you know what? Uh, AnyPay was great. AnyPay launched with Dash back in 2017 when AnyPay got started. This was back when it was Bitcoin only. That was the only thing you could pay with anywhere with any of these online point-of-sale systems. And AnyPay launched when Bitcoin was going crazy with their fees for the very first time in 2017. Wasn't part of the issue that like BitPay or whoever it was was extremely slow to implement Bitcoin Cash? And that was what caused uh, the people at AnyPay to be like, no, we have to have another solution? At the time when AnyPay came out, Bitcoin Cash didn't even exist. Okay. It was just about to come out. Bitcoin Cash was about to come out, and it did take months and months and months before BitPay did implement it. So for a long time, it was Dash and Bitcoin through AnyPay, and that was it. And Dash was to the rescue. It was so important because it allowed businesses that were accepting Bitcoin that were no longer seeing any Bitcoin sales because of the Bitcoin fees that were just going crazy. We're talking $5 fees or more in some cases. There was a time when it was like $10 or $15 per Bitcoin transaction just to send some Bitcoin. Meanwhile, Dash is like less than a cent to send uh, your Dash transaction. So AnyPay was sort of just languishing in the last year or so. And Dash, of course, they've got this decentralized autonomous organization, which has been the world's oldest decentralized autonomous organization. And they they said the Dash Incubator, which is funded by that DAO, Dash Incubator said, you know what, we can fix this. And so they took some of the, the Dash money, the treasury money that the, the DAO administers, and they hired a programmer who was like in Eastern Europe or something. I, I saw an interview with him, and he just went in and bing, bang, boom, fixed the code. And they released a new version of AnyPay. Is it still open source? It's still open source. Um, That's how they fixed the code. Yeah. Well, that maybe they closed it once they maybe they fixed no. it and closed it. You know, that that's why really I asked. Bad. Well, yeah, but it, I mean, imagine that, right? They, I don't think Dash would have agreed to fix it if it was if they were going to close the code after that. Well, Plus, you probably can fork not. It. But Plus just you imagine can fork that, it. right? Like it didn't work, so AnyPay open sourced their code, mm-hmm. and now the now the problem's fixed. It's almost as though open sourcing software is helps the best to way solve to do problems. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that that's the direction because that was always my one critique of AnyPay was that it was a closed source project, and so now it's open source. And Dash fixed the problem, so AnyPay is back. But the problem is, Porkfest doesn't know, right? Because it's a relatively right. new development. It just happened. And so somebody's going to have to go around and let, let people know the Well, good there's news. no one there, like, promoting AnyPay any I know. longer, right? I know. So, I mean, may, maybe two years when I'm back again, because it looks extremely unlikely that I'll be there next year. For next but year. maybe in two years, happen. I can you know go around pimping AnyPay to people. Yeah, that'd be cool. But uh, anyway, thanks to the, the Decentralized Autonomous Organization for fixing AnyPay, which is awesome. And thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash 
Dash.org to learn about Dash. It's one of the oldest cryptos. It's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. Go to Dash.org and learn more there. Uh, let's go to your phone calls and thoughts here. We have TJ the Spy on our SIP line, which you can learn about over at SIP.FreeTalkLive.com. S-I-P. Super important person. .FreeTalkLive.com. Go ahead, TJ. Hey, greetings, Aria Greens, and I just wanted to call and wish you the best of luck, Aria. I know your reporting date gets closer by the week, and uh, it's by know, the I hour at this point. No, it's by the hour. Yeah, it's going to be Tuesday. Point. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I think you're a delight to be with. So I hope your fellow prisoners will think the same thing. And just remember, you'll be back sooner before you know it. Thanks, TJ. I think it will be. I think it will be sooner rather than later, but it all depends on the bureaucracy and you know the which bureaucrats be, well, make decisions. Well, you know, on these I got things. my. Uh, I'm. Uh, I've auditioned uh, for an open mic night for a comedy comedy seller. Really. And uh, really, a two minute stand up set because you know I got my start, my comedy career start on Free Talk Live. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of a sad thing if you'll be going to the clink Ian, you know that i won't be able to call in on a regular basis unless you have some alternative are you just going to wind down lrn and well the free talk live will continue uh so you will still be able to call free talk live okay wonderful but that presumes that that. i'll be sentenced and uh we haven't gotten to that point yet so i'm not going to jump to that conclusion all righty was there anything else you wanted to share there was nothing else I just wanted to share. I just wanted to wish you the best of luck, Aria, and hope you do well. Okay, well, Aria okay. does have uh, the address information up on her website right now. I believe that is ariademezzo.com. That's correct. Is that right? Top story, easy to find. Yeah, I'm probably right I'm probably just going to temporarily unpublish everything else from the site anyway, because there's, there's no point in having any of, any of the other stuff there right now anyway. So... It I mean, is the top story, though. So if you go to people Aria might De- want to read your essays while you're maybe in jail. But if you go to ariademesso.com, it'll be right there at the top. So prisoner number, which you'll need to use to do commissary donations, right? Yes. And that won't work until you're actually booked into the place. So don't go today. Don't go tomorrow. But well, in theory, it would work. But the Bureau of Prisons makes it clear: you like, don't send money to someone who's not actually in our yeah, custody. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. So, I wouldn't yeah. experiment with that. I, um, I would imagine it would just get lost to the Bureau yeah. of Prisons. If it's anything like, and there's not necessarily uh, any guarantee it'll be anything at all like the state system. It's probably going to be incredibly different. But at least here in the, the the state system, you don't even get to put your first order into commissary for the first week. So it's like. You're not going to Really? Yeah, and then maybe maybe it will be different. You know, maybe you'll walk right in and they'll say, "Oh, you got $100. Okay, here you go." Well, by but amazing coincidence, I have a friend who did time in this exact facility. Mm, okay. Like I think last year as well. So I I, I can message so him recently. and ask him. Yeah. Uh TJ, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate the kind All words. All right, thank you very much. Yep, check thank out com for mailing address information. Let's talk to Ricky in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Ricky. And we'll keep you up to date, by the way. And I presume you'll you'll call us, Aria, if you have access to a phone during show hours and you're willing to talk about the experience. Absolutely. Um, if you're not able to access a phone during show hours, then you can call outside of show hours and we'll record an interview with you. So you always have that access here. Fantastic. You need to get the word out. Uh, go ahead, Ricky. Yeah, thank you there, brother Ian, sister Ari. I'm glad I had the opportunity to speak to you. I've grown to love you, no doubt. Go ahead. What's on your mind tonight? 
Well, uh, yeah, I'll be also joining the Change in the Name Club with TJ and yourself there, mm-hmm. brother, very shortly. But here's what's on my mind tonight. A couple observations and a call out to everybody. Now, if I'm wrong in any of these observations, feel free to correct me along the ways, all right? Okay. Now, okay, we'll start out with this one. We're going to talk about gold backs. Now, I think they're really cool. Now, in fact, these are one one thousandth of an ounce of gold. Uh, in between, it's very, very flat. It's this vacuum depositing process. It's very, you know, technological, very new, a newfangled, uh, and it's uh, depositing this gold, this thin layer of gold between layers of acrylic uh, plastic. That's what a gold bank is. They're gorgeous. They have an amazing artwork on and them. And I like it so much. In fact, when I officially announced my candidacy in early twenty five. Uh, I'm going to use New Hampshire one down here as a promotion. I'll help them out, and the connection to the show sounds good. But realistically, okay. nice. the only problem with this idea is one problem. There's not enough gold to go around for everybody. Now, the things I'm going to be saying... Is that, that is not a problem at all, actually. There's plenty of gold in the world, and uh, scarcity is one of the reasons why gold is worth something. So that's not a problem. Well, do you think it would be viable on a national scale? Could they produce enough to make it viable on a national scale? To make the gold bag viable on a national scale? I, yeah. I, I'm trying to understand what, what in the world you could possibly mean when you say there's not enough gold to go around. Could they make enough? gold backs where you could use it as a currency for everybody for everything there's 220 million people in the country there's 330 so, million people but so technically okay, you would, so I technically you would only need 330 million gold backs well that would only be one per sure but person, technically, that, technically. Anyways, but close to it could they i don't want to beat a dead horse there on are, this, hold on let me let me just you know. jump in on this question here ricky uh yeah. there are already millions and millions of dollars worth of gold backs in existence today and there's only four states that have been published i think south dakota is coming next uh later this year these are relatively small population states that's what they're focusing on to kind of get the ball rolling with here but the reality is 330 million people are never going to be using gold backs because not everybody values not everybody values gold and even if we do come into a world in which gold is much more highly valued by the average person we will likely see a a competing marketplace and different options that will be out okay, there, including no silver and you know other things like that. But are they able to uh, to create a lot of gold backs? Yeah, they are. They actually upgraded their facilities. Okay, so they got that, Ian. So I am going to try to use them in twenty five as a promotion. Now let's yeah, you'll be fine in twenty five. Cryptocurrency, yeah. cryptocurrency. Now that's an interesting one because I've followed it throughout the years. And correct me if I'm wrong, but when you look at the various different cryptocurrencies. See, a lot of these things I'm looking at as placeholders, and I'll tell you why ultimately. Uh, because they're, they all seem to have associated unfortunate problems that come along with it. Am I correct in that? No, they're all different, so it's hard to well, say. Well, I mean, different problems with different currencies, but there's still issues. Like what? He has no well, idea. Well, things that keep it from, uh, you know, like whether you have Bitcoin. They're probably the best one, it sounds like. Is uh, is what is it called? Uh, I didn't know, answer the, the question. Uh, no, what kind of issues are you talking about these cryptocurrencies having? Problems that keep it from being uh, something viable that the masses can use. Such as, one. can you give me an example of one of these problems? 
Well, like in the well, like in the case of Bitcoin, you have too many. You have a small amount of people holding all the Bitcoin, but then you have, you know, in the case of some other things, you have maybe no, Ricky. There's other- plenty of Bitcoin to go around. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. These are divisible down to eight decimal points. Yeah, and there's three million Bitcoin that st- that has yet to be mined at this point, and as Ian points out, it's divisible down to eight decimal points, and it's already at a point where having point two seven Bitcoin means you're if the, if you're in the upper one percent of Bitcoin okay, holders. I'm, I'm going to give my final observation. Well, well, hold on, Ricky. You I could have a single Satoshi. There is there is a problem that you kind of, without really realizing it, did touch on. I think with regards to Bitcoin. Bitcoin. And we've talked about it a lot in regards to comparing it to some of the other currencies like Dash or Bitcoin Cash. And that is yeah, that Bitcoin has a network problem. There is a, a problem that has essentially prevented Bitcoin from scaling to demand. So you are correct, Ricky, at least when it comes to Which Bitcoin. Which I remember years ago with the issues with the miners. I remember that. No, it's not a minor issue per se. There's plenty of people mining well, Bitcoin. Fights back and forth over different types of like saying we got to do it this way, we got to do yes, it that Yes, that was way. what happened was there was a right. there was a schism and this was actually in 2017, there was a schism I in remember. Bitcoin when the programmers could not agree on how to solve the problem of the the network growing. It, it was growing pains essentially. There was too many people uh, wanting to transact on on the Bitcoin network, and so the prices of the fees kept on going up. We referred to it earlier when we were talking about Dash, where the Bitcoin fees were five, ten, fifteen dollars just to send a Bitcoin transaction when they should be like a cent or less. And uh, and so that was what happened. That was what essentially broke Bitcoin because the programmers who ended up sort of in charge refused to scale the network to the appropriate size, which would have required them to simply change one factor. They would have simply had to change one variable, which was uh, what they call the block size from one megabyte, which is just this arbitrary number that that Satoshi put on years ago. And and they could have just eliminated the block size or they could have uh, doubled it or tripled it or quadrupled it or whatever. And they just decided they didn't want to do that because they didn't want Bitcoin to be useful anymore. They wanted it to be a quote unquote digital gold that you would just hold on to and hope the uh, the number go up. So, so well, you, by having that cap on there, you know, that they cap the number of transactions that can occur per every 10 yes. minutes. or whatever, And because yeah. of that, you have end users competing with one another by increasing fees and Correct. paying higher fees to try to get theirs in into the blockchain and first. it just keeps ramping up and up and up as the demand keeps increasing to the point where people are like, screw this. Then they start looking for other options. And if they did That's actually remove the block size definition, <laughs> the exact opposite would be true. Yeah. Uh, now, if I may, I have one more observation. And that was why there was a schism, though, Ricky, and it, and it schismed into two different competing coins, Bitcoin BTC and Bitcoin Cash BCH, no which, doubt. by the way, shot up recently. I don't know if you heard about this, but the Bitcoin Cash, I don't know why, okay. but uh, Bitcoin Cash is up like 100% in the last week. Really? Yeah. Okay. I have no idea cool. what happened or what, what, you know, what people are saying is the reason for this, but it's not like some general altcoin rise. It's like Bitcoin Cash itself has been shooting up now whether it'll continue i don't know there's no way to to uh predict these things your final point tonight ricky go ahead well did you want me to make the observation or just the final point i don't know whatever you think's the most important thing well if i if i can make the last observation it's a quick one then my quick call out to everybody if i could go ahead all right the final observation is obviously fiat currency thank you lincoln for giving us fiat and the only good thing about 
CBDC. That's the central bank digital currency. Right. The only thing good about it is that it's going to eliminate the cost of physical money. But, of course, that's going to either get squandered away or Why is that a good thing? Well, well, it's a good thing, but it'll never be utilized. And why is it a good thing? The cost of physical money is borne only by its printer, and it's not very high. No, and it's already not. It'll be given to the wealthy. And it's already not applicable to 97% of the currency anyway. Right, so that's that's pointless. But here's my call. So why did you bring it up? (laughs) Well, just just for, you know, completeness. So here's the call out. Okay. what I'm looking at here is I'm. This is not especially my area, but I do have a higher intellect, and this is to all the listeners and callers too. I'm thinking of an outside the box answer because we're looking at quote currency, standard currency, all these things. Maybe that's not our answer. Maybe our answer lies in something else that's kind of a little bit more outside of the box. What do as you mean? To standard currency. You're talking about for currency? You're talking about some some something else that hasn't been invented yet? Well, something else that's not, quote, currency. I'm not talking the barter system or nothing like that, but an alternative that would work with the way we do things. And something that would that, solve the same know. problems that currency solves without being currency? Is that what you're that's saying? That's the idea. See, that's where my head's kind of at. And that's a call out to all the listeners to think maybe in that way. We can think of an outside of the box because we need this thing now. But we can't it, wait years okay. from now. But wouldn't solving the same problems that currency solves make it a, a currency? currency? Yeah. Yeah, but it's not actually, okay. but it, hopefully it won't have the, that this train of thought, it won't have the associated issues of a currency. You know, that's what I'm thinking, you know, uh, and, uh, yeah, I thank you for the call you, tonight, Ricky. I think we're about you know, done with that one. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. We need a currency that's not a currency that solves all the problems. <laughs> what? I don't know. Man. Does not compute. It got really there. He's got some idea in his head that sounds like it could be really fascinating, but he hasn't figured out how to convey that idea yet. So Ricky's yeah. spent some time doing that because currency that's not a currency, but does what currency does, but without the bad things about currency tells us nothing. And it's we're, we're never going to figure out what it is in your head as no. a result of hearing that. Yeah, and just trying to figure that out on the air is probably not a good idea. You got to yeah. figure that out like on pen- pencil and paper and try to spill these ideas out. But and it sounds like there could be something to it. Uh, I think you're giving it a lot of credit. That uh, is very kind of you, Arya. I'm trying to be nice. I, yes, yes, you're being very, very nice in this case. I, I, to, to me, it's like this does not compute. This makes absolute, absolutely no sense. If it's a currency, it's supposed to solve the problems of currency. It's a better form of currency then great, it's a currency. And that's maybe there's something that we haven't seen yet. I mean, certainly that was true with, with Bitcoin, right? Like Bitcoin in 2009 hit the scene and it did things, it solved problems right. that had never been solved before. Uh, it solved the, what was it, the Byzantine generals problem. I, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. The Byzantine fault tolerance. And I couldn't yeah. explain it off the top of my head either. But It solved trust issues. I think there's a better way to explain yes. it. It solved trust issues with centralized currencies, which in that, uh, you know, if the bank, for instance, where you have your money <laughs> fails, then you don't get your money back unless you happen to get lucky and the federal government somehow swoops into to your rescue. But of course, that's just coming from other people. It's coming from other other banks or whatever. It's not like, you know, magic. 
or anything like that. And so if your money's gone from the central banking or the banking system, then you're screwed. You have to trust these people. You, that's the prob, one of the big problems with the, the money system prior to Bitcoin was, that is, was trust. And I wanted to get into a little bit of that because Ricky kept talking about the problems of currency as though there's some inherent problem to currency as an idea or to all currencies. But then identify what that problem is. Right? There isn't. There are different weaknesses exactly. with different currencies, right? So like a big weakness, which was identified by uh, one of your interviewees last night on the show from Porkfest, the guy from the taco uh, stand, was that he doesn't want to take cryptocurrencies because they are unstable as far as their value is concerned. And if he's got to go and buy food from a, his vendors, for instance, that sell him the wholesale product and they don't want to take cryptos for the same reason, then he's got to change them into cash. And so why bother uh, in, in that case? So I get that. And that's why he's taking gold backs instead. So that's a big challenge that crypto has that they have not been able to solve uh, at this point. But gold backs have their own problems. More coming up. Free Talk Live. You can join the show here if you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It is Ian here tonight. And Aria. And you can join us online. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features there. Also, Free Talk Live brought to you by Mark Warden. I will tell you a little bit more about him later on. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. He, of course, was at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Yep, I got a hug from Mark while I was there. In fact, we need to come back to the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I think you had some lessons uh, from Porkfest or some observations or something that you wanted to share. So I definitely And they're wanted... not unique to Porkfest. There are, th- there are okay. things I learned, uh, perhaps were reinforced at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, but they're not only useful in the context of the Porcupine Freedom right. Festival. All right. I want to get into that. I don't even know what they are. You haven't told right. me off the air. So, so we're going to find that out coming up here. And then we'll get to, uh, if we have time, the Bruce Fenton post where he weighs in on whether or not these companies that are doing cryptocurrency development can even possibly register. Just come on in and register with the SEC, which is what the SEC has been saying as they've been bringing lawsuits left and right against various crypto organizations. We'll uh, we'll check in with what Bruce has to say on that because it's pretty interesting. But first, we go to the phones here and talk to Sarah in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Oh, yes. Thanks for um, being back to taking making the calls. Uh, what did you do without the- us, Sarah? Were you okay? Well, you know, I wound up calling the local stations were taking my calls. Whoa. That's amazing. So- Sarah, you should continue calling <laughs> your local stations about your local issues. But, but I'm not being sarcastic. Continue doing that. No, but, um, they actually yeah, took your calls. Talk- they put you on the air. Well, yeah, because I haven't called them for like a year. So ah, I don't know, see, absence makes the heart grow fonder, Sarah. Or they forgot. Well, they must have missed, it, she missed a new, me. A new call screener. They didn't know her. Huh? Well, you know what? They even have a spell, special sound effects that after my my spiel, they have that <laughs> call oh, they, crashing. They, they oh really? That's my sound a car crash? Yeah, they do. Yeah, that after my comments. Yeah, like because uh, I would. Wow. So is this like a yeah, is this like a joke show? Effects. 
that you called into? Because well, yeah, when you yeah. say this, I think about like Drake and Zeke, who was this afternoon show on this rock station that I listened to when I was younger, and they made a lot of jokes. It was very much like a Howard Stern light sort of thing. They were joking around. They were goofing off, and they were... Is it like that one? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, okay. got, well, there was a Joko Rodeo. I got I got on the Joko Rodeo, and my joke was, "Hey, what what makes the you know New Mexico children refuse to go to school?" What, what hold do you on, think hold on, I didn't I didn't hear that. Start over. What's the joke? Okay, the joke is, Gabe, how come New Mexico children refuse to go to school? They all like they all drop out of school because they got run over on the way there. <laughs> They're 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 afraid of getting killed by a car on the way to school, so they don't they don't go. Close, close. This is your joke, Sarah. Okay. Yeah. Sarah, you inspired me to get out the sound effects. I almost never think about playing sound effects on this show, but I I do have them. Oh, that car crash! I I deserve that car crash now. No, (laughs) you already got your car crash. Was better for for that. That, That's your joke, Sarah. Did you? You that was a terrible that. joke. That, that's your joke. I got a, well, I got a I joke for you, Sarah. I, I got a better joke for you. What's yellow and can't swim? I don't know. A school bus full of kids. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's worse. We need a tumbleweed <laughs> sound effect for the awkwardness <laughs> after I said that. And no I don't one know responded. if I have that one. It's a, it's a dark joke. Sure, it's not for everyone. It's, it's like food in communist societies. It's... Not everyone gets it. Yeah, but I, I don't know what's, what's so funny about it. What's a children riding a bus stop with uh, buses like? Really if you can't funny. appreciate dark humor, then you will not find it funny, Sarah. I thought yeah, it was I funny. Yeah, I don't get it. Thank you. But the, I laugh yeah. at inappropriate things. Sure, same. Like I'll, I'll be in a movie theater, something will happen on the screen that is not intended to be funny, and I will laugh at it. I'm the only person who thought that that was funny. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, you know, I, I seen any good movies just, lately, Sarah? I do not watch any movies. It's just, any good... I don't want to fill my mouth. I mean, my brain full of garbage. You know, yeah. That's yeah, communism feels that. <laughs> communism has that. Taken She's care maxed of, right? out. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you do in your? What do you do for fun, Sarah? What she calls you, radio stations. Other than that, like, what, I, I want to tell you something. Like, she calls like, politicians. Have, when we get off the phone here tonight, what are you going to do, Sarah? Well, look, there was a, a three. Okay, there was a one-way street that we had downtown, and now they're gonna make it two ways. One. Care, I, I don't care about your. Super, Why don't you answer street? the question, Sarah? I mean, she asked you a simple yeah. question. What was the question? What are you gonna, gonna do, do tonight when we get off the phone? Um, do my prayers and lay down and. What are you going to do when you wake up? Thirty. Hold on, it's six thirty. It isn't even dark yet in where uh, New Mexico. Well, we we don't. I don't turn the air. We don't have any coolers other than a fan here. I mean, you're not you know? eighty years old. You're in your fifties, right? Yeah, but elderly people are known for going to bed early. Yeah, but, but they wake up at four in the morning. Right. She's not 80 years old or 70 years old. So, I mean, you shouldn't be going to bed at 630. No, but I'm just going to meditate and maybe okay. go through the Book of Mormons. It's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's know? going She's gone Mormon. Okay, so you're going to read. Okay, that, that's, that's a good, a good thing. That is a good yeah. thing. All right, Sarah, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate Meditation's it. good. Reading is good. Indeed. All good things. You'll be doing some of that soon, I think, too. Yeah, I did some meditating recently. Had nice. been a, been a while since I meditated, but like I was, I had to, right? Yep, absolutely. The number here is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Okay, so 
you just got back from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Literally, you rolled into town. Uh, I even grabbed dinner for you because you didn't have enough time to, to do that. So, And you came here. You haven't had a chance to do anything else. Uh, you've got some things you've been thinking about, some uh, observations about the what, the Libertarians? Or what was it you wanted it, to share? Yes, well... The Porcupine Freedom Festival is always fascinating, right? It's like this temporary society built around the non-aggression principle where, where no or one... Or we hope, at least. In, in theory, yeah. yeah. And usually it is that. There's mm-hmm. almost never any theft or vandalism or any of that. But that stuff was, almost out, of, never. That stuff was out of control this year. Mm. I, I learned later that it wasn't just the Liberty people who were also hit. They, they were vandalized on the what final was it on the penalty final night. night? It was it was Friday night okay. that they were vandalized. Yeah. But they weren't the only ones. Several other people. There was a mm-hmm. different. There were two money jars that were stolen. Oh God! Uh, Sean of Chuck Wagon so- Soda. I'm told he had his stuff vandalized. Mm. So people just dumping out everything that he had. Oh man! And it, it was pretty consistent around the Porcupine Freedom Festival that people were being vandalized and robbed. And that didn't happen. Well, robberies, I think, happen in person. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Mikey has stuff stolen last year, yeah. right? But the the scale of it has mm-hmm. certainly increased, right? There, mm-hmm. Sure, someone spray-painted Trump graffiti on the ground a few years ago, but mm-hmm. the, the scale of it noticeably shifted. Everything got mm-hmm. escalated this year. and There weren't was, more people this year, right? There were not more people, but mm-hmm. there was... And look, I don't want to be too simplistic about this, right? Because it's too simplistic to say, well, this is what happens when you have when you invite status to your festival. Which you they with, did. They did. By bringing these politicians in like Vivek Ramaswamy and RFK Jr. and some others. There were known status there. And one of the arguments that were put forward by the organizers after this as justification for this was, yes, but we had RFK supporters come in and tell us that they never even knew about this festival or the ideas of liberty or whatever until they until they came here to watch RFK speak and all of that's well and good but you're also confessing that you brought in a bunch of non-libertarians libertarian. to the mm. libertarian festival and at the same time not only was someone viciously attacked with a weapon but there mm-hmm. was widespread vandalism and widespread theft and i say widespread because for a libertarian festival that is widespread i don't want to knock the event it, it was beautiful it was wonderful a Overall, lot of positive things yeah. happened but the, hmm. we cannot ignore the as, the increase in the thefts and just the, is the it possible? rude and rule-breaking behavior in general All right, was so noticeably up. The one attack aside, which I heard that there was a guy who was like losing connection with reality and he was the one that allegedly did the attack. That's the allegation. I had an, an altercation with this person prior to that. Mm. Uh, he came to the, uh, to the Free Talk Live site mm-hmm. at one point. And the girl who was with him came up to me and as, and she started petting my dog. And mm-hmm. she said, you know, if this person asks, don't let him on the air. And I said, okay, okay well, I don't put random people on the air yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, And then he came over and he started like looking over my shoulder un- mm-hmm. unnecessarily close, close to me as I was editing audio files and all right. of that. And I had to go do something after that segment anyway. So I, as I do, I locked my computer and started walking away. And I just happened to turn around. And he's sitting in my seat trying to unlock my computer. Whoa. So I was like, hey, man, uh, no, you can't. You, you need to leave. He was so this like, person is, was crazy for a while, right. basically. And he okay. argued, no, 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 it's fine. I can do this. on No, that's my computer. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You're on my site, and I'm asking you to leave. He's like, well, it says free talk right there. That, that, Whoa. that doesn't mean you can use my computer without permission. So I need you to leave. Wow. And at that point, 
Alu tapped me on the shoulder and said, all right, there's something wrong with this guy. We've been mm-hmm. trying to wrangle him down to the park ranges for mm-hmm. a few minutes. And I was like, all right, well, I'll leave it in your I hands. I wonder then. what his story was. Was this one of the people who was there for these politicians? I don't know. No, no one seems to know who this guy a, was a or what he was doing. He claims that he was dosed against his will. That's really? what he told the girl. But... The, I don't know the, if the I computer incident. The computer incident was it the same day he attacked the person? It was about twelve hours before he attacked the person. Yes. Okay. Interesting. About twelve hours after that, and I didn't even know what had happened at that point because it was like one o'clock in the morning that he attacked someone. I didn't mm-hmm. find out about it until the next day. And as soon as I heard that someone was attacked outside of the Wormtown tent, which is which is know, right next door. Yeah, that's right yeah. by us there. Yeah. Free Talk Live. I I knew it was this guy, and Mm -hmm. sure enough, it it turned out to be exactly him. He had some sort of quartz crystal, and he hit someone, as I understand it, in the head with the like, wow, I'm surprised. The the guy who was attacked is okay. Mm -hmm. When I asked this, when I said, well, is he okay? The guy was like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, he was arrested. No, I'm not asking about the guy who did the violence. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) I'm asking about the victim. victim. So the victim is okay, as I understand. I don't know who the victim was. Worked at Wormtown, I think. Did he? What I heard. Okay. I heard he was one of the Wormtown guys. I never heard anything about the victim other than the, that he was okay. But the guy, the pork rangers uh, asked me, they didn't ask me, but the, they did what you had to do. I said that because Mo came up to me later and was like, let me get your opinion on how this was handled and what could have been done differently. So he explained how it all happened and how mm-hmm. this woman heroically tackled this guy okay. and the, the crazy guy who was attacking right. people. And by that point, uh, some other people showed up and they helped detain him. The pork ranger showed up with zip tie handcuffs mm-hmm. and arrested the guy, which makes me ask, why Why do the pork rangers have handcuffs? And For this I, reason. And I understand they're zip tie handcuffs, and anyone can have handcuffs, right? But I don't know. that That's... I don't know how to feel about the pork rangers having handcuffs, right? If it kept this guy from it, it attacking did. other people, I think it's fine. And it did. Now, and now and that you was are entering, And that was essentially what I argue is like, you guys did everything yeah. that you could do in a libertarian society. Yep. Yeah, you got to do something about that. So uh, I guess, um, you know, my my first thought on this is even if this guy was dosed, let's accept that. At, let's take his claim that he was dosed with something. If you are a libertarian to begin with, before you've been dosed with something, getting dosed on whatever it might be is probably not going to turn you into a non-libertarian. You're still going to likely be you know, of yes. the mindset of this is not my property, that kind of thing, unless you're completely out of out of your mind. I mean, that is still a possibility, I suppose, with this individual. So it's why it'd be interesting to know more of his history and sort of the background and who he actually is. Well, the time but, frame involved kind of confirms that he could not have been dosed, or if he was, he was dosing himself and he was doing mm-hmm. so repeatedly. Over a day-long right. thing. Because I've done LSD, I've done shrooms, I've done all sorts of psychedelics, right. yeah. and none of them last more than 12 hours. So Certainly so the, not. So the gap there, he would have sobered up yeah 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 that's a great point and my thought is if he wasn't a libertarian if he was one of these people who showed up to see these politicians or something like that and you know he doesn't believe in property rights or he's just such a dimwit that he thinks that free talk live just means he gets to hop in and use somebody else's laptop without asking for permission we're not dealing with somebody who understands property rights we're not dealing with somebody who understands liberty here and so of course if that person is then dosed then you can absolutely expect them to go and and do things that most libertarians wouldn't do so it would be interesting to know more about who he was how he ended up uh at the festival it doesn't sound like you know the answers to those uh, those particular questions. I don't, in this case. No one that I talked to seemed to even know what his name was. I'm obviously. But he was there with a girl. You said. Well, the, he wasn't there with a girl. Okay. He attached himself to this. And she girl. was warning people and, about him. 
Well, she was nice to him at first, and he mm-hmm. was relatively normal for the first two day, few days and mm. two days, she said. And he seemed like he didn't have a lot of friends, so she let him hang out with her. Okay. Apparently, he was trying to sleep with her, and that's why he ended up into the fight with the whoever it was, because that other person mm-hmm. looked at her the wrong way or something. Oh, I see. And nothing ever happened in that capacity, but you know, that's that's what she said, is that wow. he wanted to sleep with her. And what, you know, one, one reason or another, he, he became crazy. But she... She only hung out with him those two days, and she did not know him outside of that. Mm-hmm. And it became very clear by, like, the end of the second day that he was acting crazy and doing weird stuff, like trying to use the Free Talk Live laptop. Or maybe that was the day three of her knowing him. I, I don't know the timeline there. But she did not know the guy previously to this, and she she distanced herself from him as much as she could mm. while making sure that he was taken care of. Because I guess at that point, she felt responsible. She had been hanging out with this person for a few days. And she had seen this person go from relatively normal to to now he's violating people's private property. He's behaving unpredictably mm-hmm. and irrationally. And it's just when did this happen with the attack? Was it Thursday? Oh, let's see. That's a really I don't recall. I I, re, I wish I did, and I could probably find out that information during a break. Because I feel like at least having not been there and only hearing of things, you know, we went through Bonnie and I went three days over over a week, and I feel like I heard about this guy. Well, anyway, I'm just wondering, is it possible he was the vandal as well? No. Okay. Because the vandalism certainly happened was again afterwards. Friday night. Was afterwards. Okay. And that would have so, been after the attacks happened. It's also, it, isn't it possible that the vandals was just like a couple of kids that's my, that's, who hit, this, hit multiple locations? That's my hypothesis exactly. Because mm-hmm. as I was getting tacos last night, there were these two 12, 13-year-old boys. I don't know how old they were. Mm-hmm. And they were very clearly drunk. Which Boo is fine. Boy. It's not. My, look, mm-hmm. your parents gave you alcohol. I don't care. And they they were behaving as you would expect teenage boys who were trying to be cool, trying to be mm. ultra cool. Right? They were trying to impress this vendor with how cool they were. Let me get you a beer, buddy. I'm like, dude, you're 12. Relax. <laughs> right? And he he's a grown man working. If he wants a beer, right, he, he will one. have a yeah. beer. Right? So they were doing that. They were they were very much acting like drunken teenagers. Was, and this again, was in, at nighttime. Totally fine. Evening? Yes. Okay. But this was about nine o'clock at okay. night and. I'm not terribly surprised that there was vandalism. That that, that would be the night. sort of person. I don't know. It wasn't that night. I okay. don't think. Okay. But there were drunk teenagers running around, yep. and this is the behavior that Teenage I would expect boys. of drunk teenagers. Mm-hmm. Not not necessarily because they don't agree with a nap or because they're hateful or anything like that. They're just young and stupid. What are the odds that the vandals weren't even attendees of the festival and were well, townies? Some of them were, and I happen to know something directly from one of the Rogers employees that I can share that mm-hmm. no one else out there knows about except the people who work at Rogers. And that's that because of the water issues, mm-hmm. or we're, they're assuming that. We don't know why. But there were a lot of water issues this week with the water across the entire campground being shut off. Normally, they mm-hmm. leave it on for the hotels. Mm-hmm. But this year, they just couldn't because they ran out. They ran out. And mm-hmm. when they run out of water, they, they just can't do anything about it. But someone got very, very frustrated. So on the day that the water was turned back on, that would have been Friday, they took one of their cups and they put it upside down in the sink to form a seal and they turned the water on. Oh, my God. And they checked out and left. In the hotel room? Yes. And they flooded that entire <gasps> hotel room. Oh, my God. This person God. at a libertarian campground, at a libertarian festival, Whoa. caused significant damage. To say nothing of the water that was oh being wasted that was clearly in a shortage. And like, I, I saw the pictures. Well, we would at least be able to identify that person. Right. Unless he used a fake name or something to Odds check in, didn't. I don't know. I mean, you've got to pay. With... She did say that she knows the name of the person who. She d- sure does. I was... bet because she knows use the a name that, card or whatever. The, she knows the name that they were. 
room was listed under. Uh-huh. Right? So hopefully they can track that down. But wow, that sort of thing. I'm sorry, and I I don't that's know what to make of it, awful. but that crap did not happen last year. It mm-hmm. did not happen the year mm-hmm. before. That's completely unheard of at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And that was an adult. There were no kids in this room, and she knows that for a fact. Mm-hmm. An, an adult did this. A purported right. libertarian mm. did this. Yeah, it's a shame. And it's absolutely disgusting, and there's countless, not countless, but there are many too many examples of stuff like this happening at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Just in general, a lot of people were unnecessarily rude and willfully disobedient, willfully antagonistic toward one another. Really? Yes. Uh, one of the examples I can, I, I can think of best is people literally just parking wherever. Like random people would just pull up to, to someone's site that they, they were visiting for the day and they mm-hmm. would just park there. And they would just leave their car. They wouldn't ask anyone. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't check with anyone. This happened at our site on one day. And this happened with the Wormtown site that I saw. It never happened with the RV 47, which was Think Penguin site, Mm -hmm. because there was just too much there. But I know for a fact it happened with these because I was close with the people and talking to them daily. And happened, I think, once with Kirby's Q. It was just random people coming to visit for the day. They didn't want to park down there at the bottom of the hill or they didn't want to be bothered to find a parking spot. So they just parked wherever. And these places are sealed off with cones. You're not supposed to be able to drive down them at all. But these people were doing it because screw the rules, right? No one cares. Mm -hmm. Driving the wrong way down these roads as well was extremely common. And I get it. We're we're libertarians. We don't need rulers and all of that stuff. But that doesn't mean, again, no rules. And part of the libertarian Mm -hmm. society, uh, for all of this to work, we all have to agree on a few basic rules. And if you go to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, you are agreeing to a few basic rules, like respecting people's campsites. Not not parking, you're not being a random visitor parking your spot in someone's you don't know without asking permission. Well, this not isn't driving the, the wrong way. This isn't way. the Porcupine and, Freedom Festival. This is the campground. I mean, the campground does not allow you to park on somebody else's campsite. Also that true. is that is a basic rule of the campground. Well, that's a basic rule in general. Right. But you would expect libertarians of to know all better. people yeah. to not behave yeah. this way. But it, it was common. It, mm. it was far too common. Hmm. And the only thing I can think of that was really different this year was, was the, the influx of people who were not types. libertarians. Yeah. I don't want to blame Dennis Pratt or anyone That's like that. That's the organizer that. of right. the, uh, the event. And I don't want to blame Vivek mm-hmm. or RFK because I don't think it's that simple. But when you have someone on Twitter literally threatening violence at an event and no one and almost no, and the people who stand up explicitly to condemn that are you talking about Maj Tour? Yes, mm-hmm. are ridiculed. I can't even pretend to be overly surprised when there actually is violence at said event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you make a good point. And I, I uh, you know, just trying to play devil's advocate here, somebody might say, "Well, it's good that we we brought in newbies to this event. We've got to bring people to the ideas of liberty." But I don't think Porkfest is supposed to be a Let's change people's minds to liberty event where we bring in a bunch of newbies. The Porcupine Freedom Festival is supposed to be a celebration of liberty of by those, yeah, by those who understand the ideas of liberty. Does that mean you have to be one hundred percent libertarian to attend? No, but you should at the very least understand what a libertarian is. You should understand the basic tenets uh, of it and be willing to respect 
the uh, the property rights of uh, the individuals that are at this event. Like you can be a conservative and uh, and a uh, progressive as long as you can understand and agree with the rules. But just bringing in randos who just think that uh, some politician is interesting and they just want to come hang out and thinking we're going to convert them. That's that is not going to likely happen. And like you're saying, Aria, what it's doing is it's watering down the quality level of the attendee of the event. There's three hundred and, you know, fifty other days a year where libertarians can meet with these other status and try to convert them. There's three, right. you know, there's fifty uh, fifty one other weeks out of the year. Where we can do this in various different venues, in various different circumstances, in real life and online, Porkfest should be for the libertarians. Porkfest should be for the voluntarists, for the liberty-loving anarchists, primarily. And the other people, if they want to come in, they should already know about the event. They should want to come in for their own reasons and read the rules and, and agree to them. I, I don't think this should be a recruiting event at all. I think it was a I huge. I think it was a huge mistake to bring these politicians in. I want to bring this caller on here. Uh, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Hello. Hello. Hey, you're on the air. What's your name? Uh, my name's Cameron. Cameron, what's uh, what's your on your mind tonight? Well, I've been I've been listening to you guys as much as I can for many years now, but I'm kind of hearing the uh, subject about issues. Security, possible security issues at both Porkfest. So I just wanted to make sure you guys have thought through uh, not just the possibility, I would say 100%, um, the use of agent provocateurs. That's absolutely a possibility, but yeah, we didn't touch on it. Hang on, Cameron. We're going to continue here. We'll, uh, we'll bring you back if you want to stick with us in hour number three. Yeah, what are the chances that instead of drunk teenagers vandalizing sites, it was actually an agent provocateur? Maybe somebody uh, from the federal government or maybe somebody on the left or on the right that wants to ruin a good event and start to stoke the seeds of discontent and distrust, which of course is what feds tend to do when they in, uh, infiltrate activist communities. More coming up. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you can join the show here as we kick off the third hour of this live Sunday episode, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that tonight. It, it's Sunday. We're live. That's a thing. Uh, here on Free Talk Live, most of the radio industry is definitely not live on a Sunday night. We're here at 603-283-6160. We've been doing kind of a Pork Fest or Porcupine Freedom Festival recap. Aria having spent the last week and a half on Rogers Campground for both Fork Fest and the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Uh, which are two camping experiences for liberty-minded people, or at least they should be for liberty-minded people. And that's sort of what we've come to realize here is that maybe, we can't be sure, but maybe the problems that came from this year's event, and there's always some kind of problem, right? Like the water doesn't work one day because too many people use too much water. There's just too many people in the park, and that is one of the... The, uh, the issues with this event growing to the size that it has is Rogers Campground is the largest campground in New Hampshire. There's no other campground that could handle an event like this. 
and it can't handle this event. The infrastructure there can't handle it. That people have to bring in porta potties and things like that from the outside. And apparently, those were being um, overused because the campground facilities were being shut down because there was no. There's always some kind. Dude, they of- were shut down the entire time. Like I, I think I heard it was at least three days or something. I think like from that. Wednesday on, all of the bathrooms were closed. I think they That's reopened crazy. today. But like, yeah, I was shocked because I I go to my hotel room to use uh-huh. the bathroom, right? But the water's even, off. That's even then, the work. water was off. It's like, guys, people need to use the bathroom. They need to shower and stuff. Yeah, and you pay a hundred dollars for a night or one hundred and ten dollars a night yeah. at the hotel. You expect the water. To there's work. no water whatsoever. And I realized that Rogers can't do anything about this. And I pointed out, you know, well, maybe. I don't remember exactly how I phrased it, but the uh, I don't remember exactly what I said. But you said, "Well, there's not a larger campground." That's and, right, and that's true. That's true. There's, there's no not. other place to go. But I, I honestly, then the then the problem here is is that the event is just it's too, big. too big. It's gotten too big, and we uh, could we could we could trim that down mm-hmm. by not inviting non libertarians. Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to go back to the phones here, uh, and again, this is not to say the event is bad. It's great. That's why it's become so big. That's why yes. it is a tremendous success. It's the world's largest libertarian gathering and i'm including conventions in this as well it is a huge success and it's a lot of fun and overall it's a blast i highly recommend it i would happily run out of water for those days to spend more time with libertarians and people who love the ideas of liberty and i i i only ever complained about that twice and it was solely in the fork fest chat where we're like colleagues i suppose see it like but there are problems that come with popularity, and one of those problems this year was some vandalism happened in, yes. in an overnight. And Cameron's on the line here with us, listening to KINX in Montana tonight on the, on the FM band. Cameron, uh, you wanted to su- suggest that maybe this was the work of Agents Provocateur. Go ahead. Well, I don't know enough about the uh, incident at hand, but I, I do know that... Um, the uh, the well, everyone knows about the the Ray Epps thing and the uh, and then if you go deeper, Ray Epps you know, was an alleged uh, federal instigator behind the January sixth thing. Okay, correct. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, ninety nine or two thousand, there was evidence of the the, the I think it was the WTO protest in Seattle. Um, oh, and there have been uh, there have been uh, evidence of police involvement in certainly. many protests since uh, since that time. There was sure. one in the George Floyd uh, protests in Minnesota uh, oh, yeah. back then. There was a, an alleged officer who was doing things there. I mean, there's been so many different examples. I said these don't. I I had an LGBTQ flag flying at the site, and I, mm-hmm. I fully expected it to get vandalized, uh, probably by some upset conservative. But mm-hmm. in fact, nothing like that they happened. They didn't do that. Okay. The sites that were vandalized were all right there at at, at the front row, highly easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Right I, at the end cap of the the aisles. Basically. I was worried near the end of it and started moving some of the more expensive, like speaker, like some of the more expensive equipment, like Captain Speaker, into the inside of their tent at the Shire Society. Mm-hmm. Um, area because I was worried about vandalism, mm. but nothing like that ever actually happened. It was pretty. It was pretty clear that it was just people who happened to walk by. It was a crime of the moment, mm-hmm. right? It was a crime of opportunity. They saw this thing. They were drunk and stupid, probably, and they wanted to cause some quick, easy damage. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that because uh, I heard. Well, none of it was permanent. It. Well, but wait right? a minute. I, yeah. You're giving the examples of the vandalism where at the, one of the drink stations, some people poured some of the uh, drink containers out, yes. right? Like the whole, the 
the hot tea or whatever it was, uh, the soda, that, that sort of thing. But there were also, from what I understand, at least one place, there was a pie station where people could self-serve pie and pay into a change box. I heard that change box got stolen. Yes, at least two, at least two money boxes for deposits and stuff got now, stolen. That sounds but to me like they got scoped out during the day. I think that's unrelated to the vandalism, though. Okay, could be, but that's not a, tri- a crime of the moment. Right. That's somebody scoping out yes. during the day and saying, oh, Absolutely. there's a cash box. That's right? someone who saw yeah. a cash box, right. made a mental note of it, yeah. and came back when they knew there wouldn't be anyone around, right. without a doubt. Yeah. Yes. I hope they emptied that cash box before going to bed. Sounds like they did not. Oh, God. All right, Cameron, what else? Oh, I just uh, yeah, mostly uh, I would compare it to, you know, if, if you uh, see a mouse or two in your house, you know, that's the that's the Ray apps and the things that get that get uh, projected out or, or, or uh, publicized. But that's an indicator of a way bigger culture and network of, of that going on. I would not uh, put it past at all. I, I'd almost guarantee that it's, it's happening in the libertarian movement and, and festivals oh, yeah. and all of that. No oh, doubt. Sure. The, the FBI has so, been infiltrating political movements from the beginning. I mean, that is ultimately right. half of what they do. This according to an FBI, former agent who Mark interviewed, uh, I think it was last year or something like that, that said oh, it's really? literally half of what the FBI does is, you know, just investigate these political movements. Yeah, and I mean, and we, yeah. you're, you're silly. If you're here in New Hampshire, a part of the Free State Project, you don't think that at least some of the people you know are direct. If they're not FBI employees, they're informants. They're informants. Yeah. I mean, I can think of at least right. one person. I would bet my eclipse this person is an FBI agent, pro, deep undercover, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. we know these people. Yeah. And even if I'm wrong, we know these people are there. We, we've we encountered them. Like uh, there, Two years ago, I think there was one of the people who was here at at the studio during the raids was alleged to have been at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Mm-hmm. Like We know there are FBI agents there and undercover police officers and stuff there that are watching things and keep an eye on things. We it's definitive. But it's not just certain. watching and keeping an eye. I mean, what Cameron's pointing out here is they right. may be actually instigating. I don't they think that's be... what this was, mm-hmm. to be fair. I, but I hadn't even considered the possibility yeah. prior to now. But the, the vandalism in particular, I think, was just a, a crime of opportunity. Teenagers. Yes. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, and the vent, the, and like the cash box stuff. I mean, there, there's people that just steal cash boxes from festivals. You know, there's, that's just what they... You know, that that can happen. Yeah, just could be but, some local crackhead who knew there was. But, uh, uh, the tragedy you know. here is that libertarians, we 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 trust each other because we we all have known right. each other for years and we just leave our cash boxes out. Mm-hmm. And now you can no longer do that. Like now you have to lock your doors in this neighborhood. Right. Yeah, that's like, a bad feeling. Like, yeah. like what the hell has changed between four years ago where you didn't have to lock your doors when you went to bed at night mm-hmm. to now when you do have to bring in. Bring like you said, there's these everything. politicians that came yeah. in that, that had never been here before. Something has definitively changed from then to now, and we can we see a correlation there. So, Thanks for bringing that up tonight, Cameron. Anything yeah. else you want to share? Uh, oh, no. That, that's it. All right, man. I appreciate the call here tonight. The number is 603-283-6160. Uh, Major Payne is on the line here in Michigan. Go ahead, Major. Hey, guys. Yeah, there's lots of local people out here that sell firewood by the side of the road yep. you know they'll either bundle it or they'll make a little wooden v and yep sell it four bucks a bundle five bucks a bundle yeah we that actually happens up here too there if you as you're driving into the porcupine freedom festival uh you you should get your firewood from one of those people because it's more expensive when you get to the park so oh yeah uh, well, that's yeah. the way to do it and it's the same way it's the same way if you go to the state park 
because they won't let you cut firewood in the state park. Mm-hmm. I got asked by the uh, fish pigs one time for firing up my chainsaw. Came back to camp, and there was a nasty note on my chair. I can imagine. But, uh, anyway, what these guys do is they'll get an old steel mailbox, you know, the old type that hung on your grandma's front porch. It got a little slit in the top. Right. And a little oop, you put a padlock in, and that stops most mischief. Yep. And if you got to use one of them big, you know, like cheesy poof jars or something, just take an old coffee can lid, shoot three screws through it, Put it in the bottom of the of the uh, jar. Screw that to a big old stump that they ain't gonna want to carry away. I mean, you're missing the point, and they ain't though. Be able to rip that right. thing off the stump of that coffee can lid in there, and then maybe you take some uh, hot glue and glue the damn top on. Then yeah, you yeah, there are solutions yeah. to I mean, the problem. No, no doubt, Major. You can also just you know stand guard or stand guard around your cash box all the time. That the issue here isn't. The issue here is very clearly the fact that. Two years ago, you were fine to leave your cash box sitting out there, and now you do have to safeguard. you got to bring it in at night, or you have to keep an eye on it, or whatever. That's the issue. Obviously, there are countless things that people can do now that we know that we have to do it mm-hmm. to keep our property safe. The travesty is that now we have to go out of our way to keep our property safe. The thing is, is you guys are trying to create a utopia, and you're dealing with mankind, and I don't think... No one's trying to create a utopia. No one's trying to do that. We're trying to create a a temporary libertarian society in the woods that operates according to libertarian principles, and that's impossible. And it was successful for for many years. And now it's impossible because there are non-libertarians there. You're just talking about the party. I'm talking about the whole libertarian mindset. Well, no, it's not a uh, utopia. The, The idea of ending... The institutionalization of violence is all the libertarians generally are focused on. I mean, we want to end violence individually, but that's, you know, you can't just do that through a political process, right? Like that has to be a huge change to humanity and a huge renaissance. But even then, you're still going to deal with crazy people and they're never going to, and psychopaths, and those people are never going to uh, change their uh, their viewpoint on that. And that's the reality. So you can end the government if, you know, if we can get to that point. When we end the institution of violence, the monopoly on violence known as the state, we're still going to have crazy people. We're still going to have violent and dangerous people out there. And there have to be ways to to deal with that. All Arya is saying is, let's not invite them to our party in yeah. the woods. Yeah, right? pretty much yeah but when they know the party's there, they're going to come. That's true. You're right about that. And and the townies do know, typically, that the Porcupine Freedom Festival is going on. And it could very well have been, it may not have been the you know the politicians attracting the wrong crowd. It could just be some local crackhead who knows that the event's there. They came in, they scoped it out, and then they snatched some, uh, some boxes. There's at, a long history of Porkfest attendees blaming townies for things, though. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I, there's... and there have been townies that have come in and start, you know, started problems. Presumably, the but, there, but there's no... No evidence that townies have snuck in and vandalized there things at night. There is evidence that or... they've at least snuck in. Uh, there have been people who've yeah. had their people have had their pork fest magnets stolen from their cars at uh, local grocery stores and things like that. That ostensibly the townies then use to put on their own vehicles so they look like they're welcome at the uh, the event. That kind of thing. So there have been examples of this that have gone on, and there have been alleged townies that's coming a, that's in. That's a lot of steps. I I wouldn't. I, I think I put the sticker on your car or the magnet on your mm-hmm. car on like the final day. Yeah, it's not enforced these days, but there was a time oh, was when, there? Okay. when there was like security at the gate. That's at true. Fest. There was, yeah. And so there was an interest by the townies getting into the event. Whether you had it was to show just, your wristband to get in. I remember yeah, that. Whether it was to just go and crash a party at night and, you know, hang out at the rave or whatever, or it was to cause some kind of trouble. Uh, there have been some. This wasn't. This isn't the first year there have been 
some incidents, but it definitely sounded like the worst year as far as like vandalism. And well, now and I'm scared like we might see a return of those border checkpoints and the I papers, please sort of thing. Because I don't think it helped anything. No, it didn't. I mean, yeah. that, that sort of vandalism, as you described, as you mentioned, it happened back yeah. then as well. Yeah. So it, it wouldn't stop anything now. And I don't think they were 24 seven. I don't think there were they were out no. there overnight. But you know, that's what yeah, people yeah, are going yeah. to ask for. They're going to why, why don't you provide some sort of security? And well, that's what security. Yeah, they did great. this five years ago. Yeah, they double the ticket price too. Every, every festival I've ever been to, they check you for a wristband if you want to get back in. Or yeah, that's. I'm glad that's not happening at the yeah. Porcupine Freedom Festival, honestly. And if it's 4 a.m., that ain't going to happen anyway. Now, this so. is a libertarian festival. It's not like your average festival. Thank I, you for the call tonight, Major. I appreciate it. I've been to like some. I've been to Hippie Fest several mm-hmm. times in my life, which is this festival in Mississippi. I. Never been to Burning Man, but I've yeah. been to a bunch of it's similar, smaller events, and of course to a lot of music festivals. And I've been to the Libertarian Festival that is the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and it, it's fundamentally different from any other yeah. festival out there. Let's continue. Uh, we've got uh, Mr. Butt on the line in New Mexico. Go ahead. What did you just call me? Jesus Christ! You heard David, it. Just you get say to the it. same damn thing every time hey, you call how, in. How do you? How do you get? Well, let's let's. Uh, I got a question on your case first of all, but how do you get Mister out of Major anyway? What was the question about the case? Well, the question about the case, and also, Arya, why do you wear lingerie uh, when you're doing your radio program? Is there a purpose? Am I wearing lingerie? Yeah, it's a are. bra, right? I mean, well, it's not even a bra. Well, it's just a top, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm not even wearing a bra. It's lacy looking. Do you want me to take it off, David? I can take it off. <laughs> yeah, t- take it off. Take it off. Show the, world. Here, David. <laughs> Show the world. I do this every Tuesday night. Except for this week. Today, Tuesday? No, it is not. That's it's correct. I will night. not be doing it Tuesday. She's here specially on... Uh, I, I, normally, we're not. neither of us are here on Sunday nights. So it's a special episode of uh, Free Talk Live because right. is going to prison and she wanted to be here, so here she is. And of course, this Tuesday, I will be in prison, so I will not be topless right. here. But yeah, okay. Is that better, David? Yeah, that's better. Okay, good. You can and, see uh, the video feed over at video.freetalklive.com. So question on the case, but the, to help you understand what Sarah is trying to sell you, tell you, sell, sell you. Freddie, no, we can't but, move on yet, David. I have to know why, why, why did you even care about my outfit? Well, because uh, you, you're, you say that you are female and females that I know wouldn't go on the program that you're doing and do it in a bra. But oh, you David, are, so what I wondered the, why you do it. Go what? on, go on Twitter right now. And look up FTL Ian yeah. and look up just a few days ago at the Porcupine Freedom Festival where we did exactly this show with topless, a, bu- topless with, with a bunch of cis girls like yeah. Nikki and uh, Marley and a bunch of others who were standing around topless and proud to be yeah. topless. That, that was at a Freedom Festival. You, you do it on the regular on your program. Which, there was actually was, a regular yeah. topless uh, yes. Wednesday episode of Free Talk Live for at least, what, Four or five weeks yeah, or something like that. That you're surrounded by prudes yeah. is not my problem, David. Yeah, no, you're not, just no, wrong no, about no, this no, one. No, no, no. I don't care if I don't care if you go naked. I'm just wondering why it, it, it seems. Uh, what's the word? Uh, there's a word when you're promoting it. You're doing it. You're doing it to make a point rather than because no. a, average it's hot women, here. It's, women, it's summertime. Average women don't do it. Uh, no, the the hot ones like Have you seen Nikki, dude? She's, she's above average she, yeah, for sure. She's gorgeous. I got not, a fantastic I'm about, body. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about the average, like for for instance, uh, the average radio listener that's female. If they did a radio program instead of listening to one, they wouldn't cross their mind to do it in their bra. Who cares? It might. Well, I wasn't in my bra well, anyway. Right, David, by that's definition, you are not an average woman, and that's okay. That's fair enough. It's true uh, as well. And and, the, okay, and women so. who generally, by the way, go topless. Uh, and thanks for the call tonight. 
uh, the women who who go topless as sort of like their activism or whatever are also, by definition, not average. These are uh, women who are willing to show themselves in public, at least toplessly uh, in that case. And that is very unusual. And this actually comes up to another part of the Porcupine Freedom Festival that I think is worth discussing, which is the Body Freedom uh, Village aspect of what happened at Porkfest this year, which is a place where people, should they choose could be completely naked and female uh, toplessness for sure should not be frowned upon i mean men go around topless all absolutely. the time and they absolutely. do it at the porcupine freedom festival all the time and to their credit no one gave us a hard time and i saw a few other women walking around completely topless oh really they Good. had body paint on okay still and, yeah yeah so it, that's not going to stop a conservative from well, having a conniption it, it was very good body paint and mm-hmm. i could not tell whether or not it was a bikini top or if oh, it was okay. body paint but yeah. it turned i had to look really close and i didn't mind being that creepy like excuse me i'm just trying to mm-hmm. investigate just examine here. your nipples here yeah it's not creepy uh, if you call attention to it right it's creepy <laughs> if you stand there like getting up close but if you're like excuse me i just want to look at your nipple for a second hold on then it's not creepy and it's totally fine <laughs> trust me i do this professionally guys but um all you got to do is say i need to look at your nipple closely and it won't be creepy by definition though it depends uh <laughs> depends on the guy i think but it uh but by definition these are very uh, unusual people right. and that's because the society we're in thinks like david right they, they, they think what you can't just walk around showing your nipples. That's the way it's always been. Women are supposed to be covering up. That's the way it's been since, you know, the uh, Quakers or whoever it was that uh, that came here. Maybe the Quakers might have been cooler about it. But uh, the, Pur- the Puritans. The Puritans came here and they put scarlet letters on people and they didn't like sex and, you know, blah, blah, blah. The whole nonsense that... What was the still... scarlet letter about? Was that someone who was unfaithful or something? Yeah, okay, she yeah. cheated. No, she had to wear the scar- scarlet letter because she cheated. But, uh, you know, these people are still with us. This mentality is still with us. It is ridiculous, the idea that uh, naked people, naked bodies are sexual. No, they are not. People are born naked. There's nothing sexual about nudity when you're born. And the only reason you think there's something sexual about nudity later on is because somebody told you so. Yeah, we're conditioned that way. It's it's Pavlov's dog all over again. For those who don't know, Pavlov ran an experiment where every time before he fed his dog, he rang a bell. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so after a few weeks of this, every time he rang the bell, the dog thought it was dinner time. He would wag his tail. He would salivate, Mm -hmm. right? And he, what he learned from that is, I have trained this dog to associate the bell with food and with pleasure and happiness. And we've done the exact same thing with nudity and sex. Mm-hmm. The only yeah, time you point. ever see someone who's naked or you ever interact with someone who's naked is for a sexual reason. Barring something like changing a baby's diapers or something like that, by and large, yeah. the only time you're naked and you're with someone who's naked is when you're about to have sex, which mm-hmm. of course is a huge dopamine rush and is heavily associated with pleasure. And you've right. been con- trained and conditioned by all society to hide your nudity and to only embrace your nudity, only display your nudity for the purposes of sexual gratification. So over time, yes, we've, we've come to just closely associate those two things. And most conservatives don't realize it because it's been going on their entire They're programmed. Yes. They're literally programmed to react in this way. And so because they associate nudity with sex... They say, whoa, whoa, you can't have children seeing yes. naked people. Oh, my God. There's a topless woman at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Hide the kids. Oh, first of all, don't even bring the kids, some of these conservatives say. We can't possibly have them see a drag queen or a topless person or, oh, my God, a naked guy walking down the, the street. This is terrible. He's a pervert. I mean, it, No. Just because somebody is naked 
does not mean they're trying to like make it with your children. It doesn't mean they're a pervert. It just means they feel more comfortable naked. It's hot outside. And just because you associate nudity with sex doesn't mean that everyone else does. Just because you salivate when you hear the ringing bell doesn't mean that the ringing bell is inherently linked to food. Right. Or that everyone else is thinking about food when they hear a bell ringing. And if you can't handle it, if you hear us talking about there being topless women at the Free Talk Live tent on one day uh, this week, or you hear about what's called Body Freedom Village, which is a series of campsites that was located sort of away from a lot of the other campsites. They were to their credit, but I don't think they should be. I mean, I agree. I, I agree. I, I'm happy that they agreed to that, I guess, for the sake of, you know, not creating problems, but... It's not them who's creating the problem, though. They did agree to it for the sake of peace at the at the festival, but it was the it was the conservative types and actually some progressives too, uh, the left and the right. By the way, they they are offended. Not uh, maybe it's equally, maybe it's not. I don't know. But there's people who are offended on both sides of the political spectrum about this, and they are so upset at the idea that there could be naked people nearby children that must be grooming it must be perverted it must be sexual and it is none of those things they had the naked olympics they at did. body freedom village it happened to be the same day that bonnie and i were up there we were there on friday it happened on friday so we went to check it out and let's talk about it coming up here Absolutely. in a moment the number is 603-283-6160 you can of course bring up whatever you want here on free talk live It's Ian and Aria here in the studio tonight on this live Sunday episode, 603-283-6160. And Free Talk Live brought to you by Mark Warden's Porcupine Real Estate. Uh, Mark is, by the way, a longtime sponsor, not just here, but also of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Uh, He's a great liberty activist who moved his business here. Uh, He was a real estate agent, I think, out in Vegas, if I recall correctly, in the Vegas area. Uh, and then he moved to New Hampshire more than a decade ago, and he set up this real estate agency that has become just invaluable to the Liberty community here. And they're doing really interesting webinars online, uh, focusing on some of the really cool freedoms that we've got here in New Hampshire, like gun freedom, medical freedom, political freedom, victories that the Free Staters have been having. They've also got uh, seminars on their best practices for moving to New Hampshire and finding housing here as well. So you can attend these for free. Just go to move.freetalklive.com. That'll take you to the Porcupine Real Estate site where you can get registered for the upcoming uh, webinars of your choice. And you can also visit Porcupine Real Estate on their YouTube channel to see past presentations. Again, you can go sign up for the upcoming ones, though, at move.freetalklive.com. We've been talking about the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Aria, you spent the last week and a half at Rogers Campground and... Overall, great event. You had a good time. I think you know everybody I talked to. It. Yeah, everybody I talked to was having a great time. There's always some challenges. You know, the water got shut off a few times. Apparently, there's apparently some uh, unfortunate vandalism that happened on one of the final nights. And that's and, and to be fair, I mean, there, there's been a lot of talk about the vandalism and that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't expect. The Porcupine Freedom Festival organizers to do anything about it. What could they do? Yeah, I, I don't think it's fault. their responsibility to do anything about it. I don't think we they, don't know who did it. Yeah, I don't think they owe anyone any money. I don't no. think they should take any steps to try to prevent it. I think they, they've done everything they could do. I don't think the issue here is with anything that could be fixed by the Pork Fest organizers. So 
Dennis and Constance, it's not on you. I want to make that clear. Although we speculated that maybe inviting politicians, national politicians to speak at this event or allowing them to speak or whatever on the main stage could have contributed to bringing some undesirables into the park. That doesn't mean that was what happened. That doesn't mean that. But I do think it is a cultural issue. A shift. Yes. And I I think we can fix that by getting back to the heart of libertarianism. Yeah, I agree. The the event should focus on libertarians. It should focus, I think, specifically on the libertarian activists here in New Hampshire. I mean, it's one thing to have, you know, a libertarian celebrity like a John Stossel or somebody like that come and speak. I see that. I understand why they do that. But honestly, I don't think you need it. I, I don't think, first of all, you definitely don't need national politicians. Cut them right out of the picture. We don't need these people. It does. We're, the event would have been huge without any of those people speaking. It would have been a tremendous success. It would have sold over 2,000 tickets or whatever. I don't know how many tickets they, they sold. I heard it was more than 2,000, uh, but I haven't heard the final numbers as far as walk-ins and, and all that. But, but man, it was so disheartening to see the RFK thing. With the, right? the metal detectors and yeah, security? Yeah, because when I saw that, I was like, man, the Pork Fest organizer should have seen this. Like, man, get, get out of here with this. Get, get out of here. You're not welcome here anymore. You know, come, on, come on, man. Seriously, get out of here. But they didn't do that. And Justin ranted about this during Soapbox Idol last night about how the, the guys shouldn't, RFK shouldn't have been there in the first place. And mm-hmm. there shouldn't be a gun-free zone. But like. Maybe, but you did you see how many people came to this thing? A lot of people. Right. It's not just a matter of him being there. People came. People put up with it. They came to hear him speak. So, yes, him speaking there is part of the problem. It but is. The, but the much bigger problem is the fact that people wanted to hear him speak. I agree. I agree with that, yeah. And I'll, I'll say this. Um, I don't know everybody at Porkfest, right? Like, I, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred or a few hundred. I, I would recognize a few hundred people at Porkfest. So it's not really fair for me to say this, but I'm going to say it. Uh, when I saw the video that Jeremy Kaufman posted of the lines of people that were waiting outside the RFK speech, I didn't recognize a lot of people. I recognized maybe two people that were in the line. And that's only because they happen to be wearing Crypto 6 uh, shirts. I'm like, oh, I know that one. Uh, but I'll watch again. I, I didn't look for that. In, I didn't look at faces. I just yeah. took it in. Yeah, it didn't it didn't look like a lot of people that, you know, would register to me as in the community. That but, would sort of make sense because, I mean, we are, again, we don't know everyone, but we are more plugged into the community of active libertarians. Yes and no, not these days, and we certainly don't know everybody who's attending the event. No, certainly not. But, you know, it did make me wonder how many of these people are coming to this event. Now, supposedly you did have to buy a ticket to Porkfest to attend the RFK speech, so they were checking that, I think. You couldn't just buy a day pass? If those were available, then yes, okay. you, would, you would have been able to do that. But still, you would have had to have bought a ticket. So they weren't just letting in randos, right, without having well. paid, at least. Uh, but still, what percentage of those people were there just to see this person speak? How many of those people were actually there because they cared about the festival and were interested in libertarianism versus just wanted to see this politician talk? politician says words at Porkfest. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. They shouldn't have been there in the first place. Uh, and I think that, honestly, they should be focusing on just New Hampshire libertarians on that main stage. I think that's who is the most interesting. I think it, it you know, highlighting the community is the best thing you can possibly do with that main stage. But, again, I'm not running the event. It's not my decision. Or just don't rent the main stage, right? 
Uh, we, well, that would be a way to decentralize Porkfest. Someone rented the main stage at Porkfest uh, the week prior, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Saturday prior, and they had a wedding there. That's right. And yes, we proved Which that you, you officiated. Yes, you can, in fact, rent out the pavilion privately and yeah, have your own that. event there, and it, it would be very easy. If you got $1,000, Rogers will rent it to you. Yes, it would be very easy for someone to rent it out and then, you know... Uh, subrented out to people who wanted to you give could. speeches or whatever, yeah. or have tickets for that event. I mean, these these things are possible. It's possible right. to decentralize the Porcupine Freedom Festival. The it rumor, could be done. By, the rumor, by the way, about Tulsi Gabbard and why she canceled is that she wanted security. She wanted Porkfest to take care of security for her and travel expenses i heard right to the tune of forty five hundred dollars for her security i had heard that and that uh the solution to the travel thing was to send uh reed who does the show here Mm -hmm. to pick her up in a vehicle he hasn't done for for a while he's been traveling and all that and like i i think there's a huge disconnect there between what a career politician like Tulsi Gabbard would expect mm-hmm. and what she in would regard gotten. to travel. Like she probably expected a, a limousine mm-hmm. with or some drivers yeah. or something, right? Bulletproof. And, yeah. Glass. And like, here's a libertarian in a Ford Escort or whatever. <laughs> he's got a, yeah, he's got I, a Ford. It's I don't a, know what he drives. It's an F-150 or something or 250 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just, Chevy or something. Yeah. So. Just for the image. And I can imagine that, you know, when, I, I don't know if that's true, right? But it makes me wonder... Who paid for RFK's security? Because he definitely had a security detail. I don't know how many agents there were. They had some sort of metal detectors? Or they had absolutely type? had metal detectors. Okay. You took pictures of them I setting assumed, them up. I assumed they were metal detectors. That's what those are, okay. absolutely. And they had multiple security agents. Did you get a count? Did you have any idea? No. But they, they looked like security agents. It would at least have been a dozen. Did he have his own security? I, mean, I don't know. He, uh, there I was security there for RFK, but who paid for them? Yeah. Is I would presume he has his own guys that go around with him everywhere because he's fairly high visibility and he's a Maybe, lawyer. And he probably has some good money coming in. Did your ticket sales pay for RFK's gun-free zone? I, I think I that's know. the question that people people should yeah. sort of ask. And as James Babb pointed out when he did a rant last night mm. at the, he's always good at soapbox at right like. Those little metal detectors are not going to protect. Look, man, if you're taking on the deep state in any meaningful capacity, those yeah. stupid little metal detectors security are theater. not going to save you. Yep. It, yeah, it's complete security theater. And, and people are making excuses for it. Well, you can't blame him. He did have two family members killed by the deep state. <laughs> well, first of all, you're assuming they mm-hmm. were killed by the deep state. And I, I think you're probably right to make that assumption. But you don't get to act like that's just a, a historical fact Did they roll him up in a, your argument. In a uh, bulletproof limousine or something? I don't know. Did he like get right out? I wasn't right there out? for that part of did it. Did he walk right out from the limousine right into the uh, the pavilion? Like, I suspect with t- he did. Steps? I, I, always wonder, I was wondering how it would have uh, gone down. Anyway, let's come back to body freedom because yes. that's where what we were talking about this it's is a more fun topic yeah and and this is one of the most controversial things ongoing right but RFK, it shouldn't be i agree with you but it is regardless right. the conservatives they still have not and they probably never will uh understand this issue and it turns out some pro- progressives as well are just as authoritarian and just as bad uh as the conservatives about this there's uh, people online this one guy, Jethro Bass, who's just been obsessing over he's he's obsessed over the Free State Project. He apparently okay. is some New Hampshire progressive guy. And he literally goes on every Free Stater thread and posts about how you guys are being naked around children and just reeing and, and freaking out about it. It always concerns me when someone sees someone naked and their first thought is always something to do with children. That is right? weird. Like, like, yeah. That's weird. Yeah. 
I, I don't think about children when I see a naked dude. Nope. I, I went to the Body Freedom Village repeatedly. Never at any point did children cross my mind while I was there. No, me neither. Uh, so here's what Carlin Borshenko has to say about it at Dr. Carlin B., who she was, by the way, at the Body Freedom Village. Well, and she, in fact, I think she had her campsite purposefully located nearby. She was selling things at her campsite, and she wanted to support Body Freedom Village by being in the vicinity. Uh, and but she, she's not a a participant herself. She wasn't naked when I when I saw her. But you well, don't that's have to how be I am, a, right? I support it, but I wasn't naked at right. the time. Right. Yeah, I don't I think get it. I don't know if you have to be naked to be a participant. I think just being there and hanging out makes you a, a participant okay. at Body Freedom Village. Uh, Bonnie and I bought a candle, for instance. From sure, uh, they had okay. these cool towels too that they they custom made for the event. I don't know if you did you see the towels. That I they, don't think so. So um, they had like. The statue of David or something, okay, right, which is a naked man, right. Uh, they had like the statue of David from chest down, so like the, including the crotch area and maybe the upper part of the legs, printed on a towel, and it said something about Body Freedom Village on it. Okay, but the, so the idea is you would wrap the towel around yourself if you were going to walk in the you know the regular camp zone area, and it's. Essentially, the image of a man's penis right. that is on the front of your towel. But it's David. It's a sculpture. It's art. But it's an yeah, yeah. It's a piece of artwork. They also had a female one as well. I think it was like I don't know Athena or something like that. With again the uh, you know, the breasts area and the lower area as Alternatively, well. Alternatively, you could have just put on there these are male nipples, <laughs> right? And that that would have been totally acceptable. Apparently, it was a, it was a pretty uh, creative thing, though, right? Like to to have these t- these towels for sale. So that was another thing so. they, they had out there. Great people over there at the Body Freedom. Camp. Really, really fun group, creative, uh, and so they had this event, the uh, the Olympics. They had a bunch of events, right? Like they had parties. They had a uh, I think they had a gun show where you could walk naked with like your gun strapped. The gun on. show happened concurrently, I think, to RFK speech. Nice, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah, I didn't get to go to that one. I believe but. so. Yeah, so they had a whole list of things, but so we were only there for a short time, but we were able to get uh, get down there and see the uh, a portion of the Olympics, which you did have to be naked to participate in what was called the Naked Olympics. So it makes sense, right? Like right. that's one of the requirements, and it was almost all dudes. There was one lady though that uh, that did participate in this. And Carlin was was watching, so she was definitely spending some time there. She said this. She said, I thought a lot about this over the past few days, and I'm totally on the body freedom or the pro-body freedom bandwagon. She says it was an open, welcoming, positive environment. I can hear Jeff uh, saying, he's the founder of it, saying all bodies are beautiful in my head. I can absolutely understand how it's a freeing and, dare I say, empowering experience. This was not a sexual event. This event was not dangerous to children. No one had to be there or participate. No one was hurt. Everyone had fun. There was nothing sexual about it. I'm so tired of pretending that anything to do with nudity is inherently sexual or bad. It's not. And that goes for the people riding the bikes naked in the pride parade at Libs of TikTok. That's the latest, one of the latest videos they've posted in the last 24 hours of all the outrage. Someone's naked on a bicycle. There's children. Just stop paying attention to lives of TikTok right. people. It's it's just there to manufacture outrage and to exploit your outrage. If you don't want your kids to see that, then don't take them problem solved. We shouldn't be teaching people to be ashamed of their bodies. If you truly believe that everything you don't like is sexual, then maybe you're the one who's projecting your own sexual repression and unlived urges onto everyone else. Go to effing therapy instead. 
and I feel like she nails it. I mostly uh, agree with that. With that. The only thing I don't agree with is the the notion, or I don't remember exactly. She accused Jeffrey of saying all bodies are beautiful. She said something like something along those lines, mm-hmm. and I I don't agree. I don't I don't want to see a three hundred pound person naked, right? I just and that don't. wasn't there, by the way. Right. There, there was no one like that at the Body Freedom Village. So I so I think some body shaming, not not because they're naked, but mm-hmm. because their body is unappealing is sometimes acceptable. I, I would agree with your uh, your critique on that one, for sure. Um, but again, it's not because they're naked. It's because yeah. they're overweight. And this wasn't a beauty contest. Let's just be clear, right? Like right. These, these are people who are average uh, folks. I mean, there was a few of them that you could tell worked out, right? Like You actually mentioned shape. that there were uh, there was a woman there at one point. And that what's cool about the naturalists, uh, the nudists, the body freedom people, is that in general... That that's not an important distinction for them, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not about the sexual characteristics and the the sex of the other person. It's not about that at all. So whether there were males there or females there is sort of inconsequential to the body freedom aspect of it. It's like there are people here and they yes, are naked. And they are naked. And they are free to be naked. And whether they are men naked or women naked is completely irrelevant. They are just people naked. And, and it was okay. It was. It was fun no to one got watch. Hurt. Everything was fine. Lots of people were there to watch. Lots of uh, media was there. The media was very interested in this event. Uh, the folks from NBC Boston were there yeah. uh, with multiple cameras and uh, the lady who interviewed us from the Boston Globe was present uh, observing as well. And so I, I think yeah, she's is... awesome. She invited me to do some writing for the Boston Globe while wow. I'm in prison. That's really cool. Yeah, I might do that. You absolutely should do that. If you can get published in, you know, mainstream media print, why not? Um, so. Well, she didn't promise me that. But she oh, said okay. I should do it. And yeah, I don't know. Right. Okay. Uh, if she doesn't. Yeah. Anyway. I, I don't know to what extent <laughs> she can actually make that happen. That but, would be nice. Yeah. Um so I think this is really great that this event happened, that the Body Freedom Village was there. I didn't hear anything about them being vandalized or anything like that, so that's good. As you said, no, the, not the, to my knowledge. the flag that you had uh, at our site was not torn down. We had what was called the Body Freedom Friendly Signage at the Free Talk Live site, which I thought was a cool thing that they did because, as you pointed out, Body Freedom Village sort of agreed to have their own little zone in the camp area, in the RV area, and it, it was about as far away from like the conservative religious zone as you could possibly get. So that makes sense to sort of separate that those said, parties. That said, I did have to walk by these evangelical Christians singing their stupid hymns oh, really? and reading their Bibles repeatedly, mm. and no one shamed them for that. It's like, have you, has anyone told them what's actually in the Bible? And like that's offensive. You you want to talk about damaging people and corrupting people and well, be, now, and being immoral? Was, How about that? Not the naked people. Was there any shaming that went on at Porkfest that you heard about? No, I didn't hear about. But it But that's either. why no, that's why they were you know pushed all the way back there so that that sort of thing didn't happen. It happened last year. Yeah, but you had topless people at the Free Talk Live site at RV right. forty six, which is right in the heart of you know the main aisles of Porkfest. And you said some people were walking around with body paint on, but otherwise, right. They were, and I don't mean they to suggest topless. that there was any sort of shaming. My point is that if the Body Freedom Village people had to be way back there because mm-hmm. they were offensive, what about the Christians spewing mm-hmm. spewing their hate speech? They should be way back there in the back. Get that even further away from decent, reasonable people. So the fact that they came to this agreement with Porkfest to say, look, we'll have our thing over here. But then they came in with the signage I thought was a a smart move because it allowed the different areas of the site who were body freedom friendly to identify themselves and, uh, and so we did, you know, we yeah, put that up obviously. at the, the free talk live site, which essentially meant that 
not only are we body freedom friendly, but it was like, hey, if you want to take you know your clothes off and be here, that's fine too. It's fine with us yeah. at least. And I did not hear of any sort of big blow up of controversy over Body Freedom Village this time around, or anybody being partially nude or whatever walking around the site. You're correct. I heard of none. But online, the time. oh, online, really? the people people who weren't from Porkfest. Well, see, just, I disconnected from social yeah, media for most, for, for most of this, and I, that remains true. I, I post some things and scroll but I mean, and go, but that's yeah. it. So people I get took, off of social media. It's so bad for I you. I took Carlin's picture. Carlin took a picture like from a distance of one of the events at the Naked Olympics. It was a, a run. They had a race of some, of some sort, and there's probably uh, at least half a dozen people, maybe a little more than that, maybe like eight or nine people. Okay. From a distance, they're naked. They're all running away from the camera. So at best, you can see some, you know, some butt cracks or whatever. That's about all you're going to get from this. And uh, but it's proof the event happened and people are having fun and they're running in the field. And so I posted this and I said, "Photo of the naked Olympics at Porkfest, courtesy Dr. Carlin B. It was a good time. Prudish, fun-hating conservatives believe this is a somehow a threat to children." <laughs> and sure enough. There they came into the comments to let everybody know how terrible this is and posture themselves about how conservative they are and and that how tough they are and that they're going to do something about this if it was their private property and so on and so forth. And this has been retweeted by these conservatives multiple times uh, since then. I mean, by the, by no means is it like, you know, 100,000 uh, views or anything like that. But It shouldn't be any, though. Right, but, because the, the people who were there on the ground experiencing this stuff had no issue with it. Nearly exclusively. There were a lot of weird issues. I mean, people complaining about music at 8 o'clock at night and stuff like that. Like, that happens. Yeah, but at 8 o'clock at night? It's lame, but the quiet time's supposed to be like 11, so they'll, they'll probably just be told to shut up and you know, put some earplugs in. But the uh, nearly every comment on this photograph is from conservatives although there was at least one progressive lady too who were upset that people would go naked when children could potentially see them it's always all about protecting the children from these naked people even though this event wasn't for children it wasn't advertised but it's true Children could have come by. There was what not, harm would that? There what, what harm would there have been? That's the thing. That's the thing I said was like last year when Bonnie and I were there for the one day we were there last year. We went out to this area of the 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 camps campground, and the naked people were there last year too. And they were playing frisbee. They were out in the field. They were playing frisbee with one another, and that's all they were doing. And we were in the field doing an interview with uh, the Free State people who were doing a, a documentary. Yeah, And so we're watching this happen, you know, we're just seeing the Frisbee being played and along comes a group of like a pack of children. Sometimes they're like in big packs at Porkfest because they're playing tag or yeah, they do that. whatever it is that they're they're doing. And so this pack of kids that probably was between, you know, eight and 11 or something like that. So pretty young, uh, not teenagers. OK, so like this pack of children comes along. And they're playing whatever game they're playing. And, you know, we can see the naked people from where we are. They're a ways away, but you can see that there's naked people there. It's pretty clear. And Obviously, these kids saw them at some point because they're running around being kids. But they didn't, like, stop and stare. They weren't talking back and forth about the naked people or making it any sort of issue amongst themselves yeah, whatsoever. They don't care. They're going back to whatever game or whatever right. they're playing. They literally did not care at all and they just did their own thing and they ran over. They even ran nearer 
to the uh, the naked people playing the frisbee. But again, it had no effect on them, no visible effect whatsoever. See what the conservatives would do: they would take that child, they would march it up to the nudity people, and they would sit down and say, "Look at this! Look at how terrible this is! This naked person this here victim. doesn't that bother you? Doesn't make <laughs> it sick to your stomach? And then look, how dare you make this child right. sick to their stomach? Right? That, that's exactly what they're doing. It's gross. Right. So they're in, they're imprinting or attempting to imprint this fear of of nudity the idea of nudity as sexual with kids who by default do not have this belief no they were born naked right and so it's just like this is so unoffensive to me the idea that people were having a naked olympics or that people were hanging out on a campsite naked but, but we're so far gone man right like when i hear about naked people having the olympics i'm like okay cool yeah it's great i think it's great but the average person well, I mean, we're, they can't handle yeah, it. we're so far away right. from that, though. Well, that's I. why I think that's why I think it's important to talk about this. Because, Absolutely, because people do do not understand this, and they really get turned off. And I'm and if you're getting turned off by the idea of this, you don't belong at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. You don't belong in the little area for the con- uh, the conservative types. You don't belong there at all because there's a certain type of uh, of Christian who can handle this. There's there a certain are? type yeah. of Christian who's like, yeah, whatever. It's not for me, but not my life and they can they can exist on the same campground as these people and they can Certainly. tell their, they can tell their kids like you know what that's a naked person it's okay uh jesus would have loved them too right like there's a way to answer this as a, a a christian that is not hatred that is not fear of the other so those christians do exist and they're the best kind of christians because they're like they're like the leave me alone type of christians right they yeah, it would be Bible very study. easy to say, well, they believe in being naked, and we don't believe yeah, that. So right, that's keep, it. Your, keep your pants on, kid. Story is, the story's over, and let's go back to Bible study, yep. right? So if you can coexist like that, you belong. If you understand the ideas of liberty, and that is to say allowing other people to express their freedom in the way that they want, you're the right kind of person for this community, the community of liberty-minded people migrating here to New Hampshire. The other people, the people who are upset by this, stay away from the Porcupine Freedom Festival because there were dozens and dozens of people at this event. It was very, very well attended, and uh, kudos to Body Freedom Village. We're out of time for tonight. Maybe we'll get into the uh, the SEC tomorrow night. I think you're coming back for the final show, at least for a few months. I am indeed. uh, Tomorrow night. Between then and now, you can join us online at freetalklive.com. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com